Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's do this. Another day, another dollar, another edition of The Drive. You're listening to The Drive on 6 and Sports Radio, 6 and the Odyssey app. My name is Karen Harrison. Excited to be here as we continue to get you ready for Super Bowl 58 between your Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. We don't have a busy show planned today. We're saving a lot of those things for next week. We have Pete Sweeney, though. He's going to join us in studio coming up in exactly one hour. We'll take a closer look at the AFC Championship game. There is still a stat that is stuck in my mind from the game. We'll talk about that with Pete Sweeney. We'll go through other random nonsense that we do in only drive fashion. But he's the only guest that we have planned today. No Peter King, no Mitch Holtis, no Patrick Mahomes, just me, you, and Rob. We are going to add one caveat today before I even take it to the next part of the show. Today is Rob's 31st birthday. Happy birthday to Rob. He turns 31 on the 31st. If you don't tell Rob happy birthday, you are automatically ineligible for Time on the drive. Carrington, dial me up right now. Caller number 6-913-586-7610. They want a pizza from our friends over at Pizza Tasio. Pizza Tasio is Kansas City's best New York style pizza, and they have taken over the town. They lovingly use 100% whole milk mozzarella, all organic tomato sauce with locally grown fresh ingredients, all made by KC guys who both know and love pizza. They got unique wines and craft and local beer. So if you're in the mood for maybe some slices, or maybe you're in the mood for a whole pie. Be sure to visit them now at pizzatasio.com. That's pizza, T-A-S-C-I-O.com. I need you guys to do me three favors. I know I'm asking a lot. Number one, I need you listening to the drive each day at 2 o'clock. Number two, I need you to tell one friend. You don't got to tell two friends. Maybe next week you should tell two friends because it's a Super Bowl week. But this week, you know what? Only just tell one friend. And number three, you got to tell Rob happy birthday. If you don't tell Rob happy birthday, you cannot win 
the pizza from Pizza Tasio. We appreciate you listening here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. This is how I would like to start today's show. This Super Bowl is about Travis Kelsey. There are a lot of stars in this game. Patrick Mahomes, who is the quarterback for now his fourth Super Bowl, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Bosa. There are a lot of very talented players in this Super Bowl. This Super Bowl is about the stardom of Travis Kelsey. Some of you believe that Travis Kelsey can be the rock when his career is over. If he is going to be the rock, it starts this week on this Super Bowl stage. They have changed Super Bowl media day Monday night on NFL Network. And I believe they actually simulcasted on ABC. All of the intrigue is going to be about the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be questions about your brother and what's his plans. It's going to be question about your mom. And is she going to be at the game? Is she going to be in a Super Bowl commercial? It's going to be about your future and what you plan on doing. It's going to be about your superstar girlfriend. There are going to be storylines that pop up over the course of the next eight days regarding this game. And there's a lot of very interesting ones. The legacy of Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy in his first Super Bowl and how he manages it as Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the NFL draft, Christian McCaffrey and a Hall of Fame career that he is putting together. There are a lot of great stories in this game. This story is about Travis Kelsey. And next week when they get to Super Bowl media day, He is going to have the most attention. It's not going to be the Hall of Fame quarterback. It's not going to be the best player of his generation. It's going to be about Travis Kelsey. Now, speaking about Travis Kelsey, he finds himself in a little bit of a hubbub. You know what, Rob? Let's play all three sides of this. Now, I think this is really ridiculous. I think this is really ridiculous because just as a man, you know that sometimes you argue for things, you get really mad about things that don't matter, but it's just part of being a guy. It's about pride. It's about principle. That's what I think this argument is between Travis Kelsey, Justin Tucker, and Patrick Mahomes. So, you know what? Why don't we start with the story from Justin Tucker? You guys remember... Justin Tucker is trying to warm up for the game. He's kicking the balls. He has his helmet there. And all of a sudden, he is in the way of Patrick Mahomes. They go over there, and there seems to be a little bit of a conversation. Here's Justin Tucker's side of the story. I find it kind of silly that we're even having to address it or talk about something that happened before the game that I really don't see as a big deal. Um, You know, I mean... I think if you just see the whole interaction and then you see us at the coin toss, we're all dapping each other up and then we just get on with the football game. But, um, you know, for those that don't know, the way it works is each team's kicker uh, goes to the other team's uh, designated warm-up area on the field. And for me, it's usually about 90 minutes before kickoff. So um, I've been doing the exact same thing for 12 years, never really had a problem with anybody. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that's just that's just kind of the way, the way we've always done it, and the way uh, kickers around the league have always done it. Um, you know, and I, I saw Patrick there trying to warm up and get some drop back. So uh, he asked me while I was on the ground stretching, like if I could move my helmet. So I happily got up and I moved my helmet out of the way. At least I thought it was enough out of the way. Um, and then uh, Travis comes over and he just kicks my stuff and he throws my helmet and. I just thought it was all just some gamesmanship. Um, 
you know, all in good fun, but they seem to be taken a little bit more seriously. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm totally willing to let it all go, but um, yeah, I just wanted to explain that that's just, you know, what I've done for 12 years. And it's, it's not like I'm out there trying to be problematic. I'm just trying to get ready for the football game, just like they are. You didn't say, and you that's didn't... and that's that's all I really got to say about okay. it. Okay. Well, just saying, to be clear, have you ever had a like in those twelve years of doing that? Have you ever had an issue like that? No, like I just said, okay. never never had a an issue with anybody. Um, you know, we're all at the end of the day, we're all professionals, just trying to get ready for the football game. Uh, those are two of the best players that have ever played the game at their respective positions. They're just trying to get ready for the football game. Obviously, it's an intense environment, so um, it's it's really whatever to me, man. I'm just you know. I'm just trying to get ready for the football game. You said nothing. You just let it go, right? Yeah, I was just getting ready for the football game. All right, a couple of things. And I do want to play what Mahomes had to say, and I do want to play what Travis Kelsey had to say. I don't like when you start using big words. I'm not out there trying to be problematic. It's usually you're trying to be problematic. I don't like you throwing too many big words at me. And since I don't know what they mean, I'm going to take them as a sign of disrespect. Watch your mouth and kick the football. I just didn't like that. Number two, it's pretty telling to me that no one from the Ravens came over there to have Justin Tucker's back. You saw that Kelsey came over there to have his teammates back. He seemed way more upset about it than Patrick Mahomes did. Mahomes is trying to go through his workouts, and they're in the way, and they're moving stuff. It just seems like guy stuff. One big sword measuring contest between the Chiefs and the Ravens before the game. You know the stakes that are involved, and both teams are probably just being annoying in this scenario. So let's hear what Patrick Mahomes has to say. So you heard the Ravens' side of the story. Let's hear the Chiefs' side of the story. Here is Patrick Mahomes. He was on our show yesterday. Here is he telling us about the beef. I've had like seven years of, of kind of doing that same warm-up routine, and there's only been, a, I think, like three occasions where there's been a kicker that wasn't uh, – because uh, you don't usually talk to guys, there's been a kicker that wasn't necessarily moving out the way or you, kind of, you weren't kind of sharing the field um, in the right way. And, I mean, it was in Baltimore all three times. So um, I, he does that little stuff, I think, to try to get under our skin. And I asked him to move his stuff, and he, and he got up and moved it, I think, two inches. Um, but but didn't move it out of the way, and I I, I was going to kind of let it slide, but Travis kind of got it and moved it for me, and then after that I wasn't going to let him put it back down. So it's it's something that we we move on. I mean I have a lot of respect for him as a player and as a kicker, um, one of the best kickers of all time, probably the best kicker of all time. But at the same time you got to have respect for each team, and we all share the field, and we we try to do that in a respectful way. So that's the Patrick Mahomes side of the story. I don't know why, but I think Patrick Mahomes' side of the story is actually pretty believable. Hey, this is what I usually do. This guy is over here. He's trying to mark his territory. This is our field. This is my end zone that I feel comfortable with. I'm not moving for you. You need to move for me because you're the visiting team. That side of the story actually makes a lot of sense. Where there's maybe other kickers who don't have the cachet, maybe don't have the ego of Justin Tucker, who is the greatest kicker of all time if you look at the numbers. Hey, this is how I get ready for the game. I'm not moving for you in my stadium. You need to move. And Pat's like, bruh, move. You know this is our side of the field move. And now it's a, it's a game of chicken. It's a staring contest. It's a standoff between two great players. 
And, I mean, you guys got to know enough to know that Patrick Mahomes isn't losing in the standoff. He just continues to work. And then big brother Kelsey comes over and eliminates this. Here is what Travis Kelsey had to say about the beef with the Ravens kicker. The other team's designated area, you kind of stay out of their way. You know, you, you you don't interfere with what they have going on. That is the unwritten rule. That's the unwritten rule. If you want to be a f- about it, you keep your helmet and your football and your f- <laughs> kicking tee right where the quarterbacks are warming up and they're yeah. dropping. Eyes are looking left and they got a, a helmet down by their feet. It's actually kind of dangerous, really. But Like, if you're not going to pick that up, I'll happily move that for you. If you're going to be a d- I promise you, I can, <laughs> I can one-up you every time, dude. This is a story about guys just being guys. I think we can now put it to rest. We have heard all three sides of the story. We have heard Justin Tucker's side. We have heard Patrick Mahomes' side. We have heard Travis Kelsey's side. This just sounds like a story of bros being bros, dudes being dudes. This is not a big deal. This is probably ego on all fronts. Justin Tucker, I'm going to warm up where I usually warm up. I'm not moving my stuff for you. You can go to the other side of the field. Patrick Mahomes is like, this is where I always warm up. This is not an issue in any other NFL stadium. Why is it an issue with you? And then Kelsey comes over there and says, we not doing that today before the AFC championship game. You need to move your things and you go down to the other side. Just the story about guys being guys. Keep it right here. You're listening to The Drive on 6th and Sports Radio, 6th and Sports.com, and the Odyssey app. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Brett Veach. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Travis Kelsey can win Super Bowl MVP? Because we were just talking about Travis Kelsey, how I think that he can be the star of Super Bowl weekend. Let's be clear. He has been the star of the NFL season. I know Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback and the still reigning NFL MVP and maybe the greatest quarterback that we have ever seen. This NFL season, the storyline has been about Travis Kelsey now ascending to that A-list in the NFL. He is no longer just a football star. He is a pop culture star. And what the perfect cap to this season would be for Travis Kelsey is if he won Super Bowl MVP and Taylor Swift is standing right there alongside him. He would have won the Super Bowl MVP If the exact same game that happened in the AFC championship game happens next Sunday in Las Vegas. I know Patrick Mahomes made the big throw at the end of the game. The Chiefs scored zero points in the second half. In the first half, Travis Kelsey had 11 catches for over 100 yards and had a touchdown and a pretty remarkable catch and has had one of the great postseason runs of any player in the history of the National Football League. I think they would have gave Travis Kelsey Super Bowl MVP, and I would have voted for Travis Kelsey to win Super Bowl MVP. 
just like on the San Francisco side, I would have voted for Christian McCaffrey or Brandon Ayuk to be Super Bowl MVP if the NFC Championship game was the Super Bowl. So I went back and I looked and I did the numbers. So in four of the last ten, a non-quarterback has won the award. In five of the last 15 and seven of the last 20. Obviously, the likeliness is that a quarterback is going to win this award, whether it's San Francisco's quarterback, whether it's Kansas City's quarterback. I don't think it's crazy in this game, especially with either offense, to think that Christian McCaffrey could win MVP of this game or Brandon Ayuk could win MVP of this game or George Kittle are on the Chiefs side, Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, or especially Travis Kelsey. If you plan on laying a couple dollars on this and you want to get your value, I don't think that Travis Kelsey wins Super Bowl MVP, depending on where you get it at. I saw it at 10 to 1 odds. I don't think that's a bad bet to make. I also think, and I agree with you, I also think, I think the fact that Patrick Mahomes has won the award twice is also something that could prevent him from winning the award a third time. Because right or wrong, I think Travis Kelsey is going to be judged this Super Bowl versus past Super Bowl performances. And he was good, not great in the Niners Super Bowl, but he was sensational in the Eagles Super Bowl. If he's not sensational again, do they go a different path? You mentioned the stats. Matt Stafford was good in the Super Bowl, but he wasn't sensational. They gave it to Cooper Cup. I wonder if Patrick Mahomes' success at this level almost handcuffs him from winning it a third time, which means that if you believe the Chiefs are going to win, and I imagine most people listening believe the Chiefs are going to win, means that you need to find some hidden value, and playing Mahomes is no value. I think Kelsey is incredible value. I think Pacheco is also good value if we're going to play this game. I think it's going to be one of those two. I think Kelsey has a real chance to walk away Super Bowl MVP, and he and Taylor Swift have a day in Disney World. Like I'm looking at two text messages right here. Text line 913-586-7610. CDOT, dude, stop it. Kelsey wouldn't win MVP. He wouldn't have won it last game either. Come on. Someone else said Kelsey would need multiple touchdowns and catches to get the MVP talk. Am I crazy for thinking that if the AFC Championship game was the Super Bowl, that Travis Kelsey would have won the award. Patrick Mahomes did not have a great day by the numbers. He was 30 of 39 for 241 yards passing and had one touchdown in the game. Now, he made a couple of big-time throws, and I'm not saying that he played poorly. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP award from the game. I don't think he was the best player on the field in Sunday's game. I think that player was Travis Kelsey in that game. Someone says, what about somebody from the defense would have won? I don't think there was one player on the defense that you would have given the award to over Travis Kelsey. I mean, in tackles, Drew Tranquil had the most tackles in the game, at least for the Chiefs. He had eight tackles in the game, but didn't have a sack, didn't have a tackle for loss, didn't have a turnover. I mean, Justin Reed had a couple of sacks, a couple of fumbles. It just, I think the answer would have been Kelsey. I think this game could be low scoring. We know Kansas City's offense and inconsistencies, and we know their defense, where I don't think San Francisco is throwing 30 in this game. If the Chiefs win a 24-17 game and their offense stalls in the second half, but Kelsey has five catches for 90 yards and a touchdown in the first half, I don't think it's crazy to think that he wins the award. I mean, Brady didn't win every single MVP award, and he's been 10 times. (laughs) 
He's, he, he did not win every single MVP. If you think that Mahomes is going to this thing five or six times, which is very much in play, I would guess that one of the times that he wins it, somebody else wins Super Bowl MVP. I think this year it could be Travis Kelsey. To further your point, I looked back at it. The third Super Bowl Brady won. He had won MVP in the first two. The third Super Bowl Brady won. He beat the Eagles. Ironically, the Andy Reid Eagles. Remember the game where McNabb pukes and T.O. puts him on blast? Brady was 23 of 33 for 236 and two touchdowns. That's fantastic. That's MVP level stuff from Tom Brady. But Dion Branch caught 11 of those 23 passes for 133 yards. Who won MVP that day in Tampa? It was Dion Branch on 11 catches, not Tom Brady. It would have been Tom Brady's third Super Bowl victory. So there is a historical precedent for guy who's great at quarterback, plays well in the Super Bowl, but his top pass catcher goes out and wins MVP. There is, this has happened before. I think you also could argue Sneed. I mean, Sneed is probably the best argument for a defensive player if the AFC championship game was the Super Bowl because of the forced fumble at the goal line, which is a major reason of why the Chiefs won the game. A major reason why. It's hard for you to imagine a corner winning it without getting I, a pick. I agree. Like you would probably have to have a Malcolm Butler kind of game or a Malcolm Butler kind Even of play. Even then, Tom Brady won that one, didn't he? Uh, let me look it up here. Double check me because I yeah, think let, Brady, let me pull I it up here. Brady, I'm, I'm pretty sure Malcolm Butler won the award. Maybe but I'm wrong. But I it would be pretty crazy if you made the greatest defensive play in the history of the Super Bowl and didn't win Super Bowl MVP. I know that Dexter Jackson as a D-back won against for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. He had a super he had a touchdown as a D-back. I know Malcolm Smith, the uh linebacker for the Seahawks when they throttled Peyton Manning, he won it, but he had a Super Bowl, he had a touchdown and another pick. Like it takes a lot for a defensive player to win MVP. Now, maybe Malcolm Butler won it, and I'm You're wrong. Right, Malcolm Butler didn't win it. I had it mixed up. Malcolm Smith. Yeah. So Whenever had, Seattle won it, Malcolm Smith t- won it. He had the uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He, he had an interception return for a touchdown, a fumble and, recovery, and had 10 uh, tackles in the yep. game. If you do that, you got a chance to win the award. If you're a defensive player, you have to score a touchdown. That's basically what it is, because I think Dexter Jackson also won one. Vaughn Miller did not score a touchdown. He won one, but... You have to have a wow kind of game turnover-wise. I don't know if Snee would have won it from Saturday, Sunday's AFC title game. We're just talking about the possibility of Travis Kelsey winning Super Bowl MVP. I believe right now you can get him at plus 1,000, plus 1,200, depending on where you get your book. If you actually had done it before the AFC championship game, you could have got it at plus 8,500. So you could have got 85-1 to 1 on Travis Kelsey who won Super Bowl MVP odds jump because he played really well in the AFC championship game. And now the chiefs have won the game. So obviously he has a, a much better chance of winning the award for the last 10 Super Bowl MVPs have been non quarterbacks, five of the last 15, seven of the last 20, the last non quarterback to win the award, Rob. Ooh, is that Von Miller? Cooper cup. Oh yeah. Cooper cup. A couple in, of years ago. I was in my defense only mode. So yeah, Cooper cup yeah. a couple of years ago on Super Bowl MVP. I probably would have voted for Aaron Donald mm-hmm. in that game, but you know what? Cooper cup. He was not a bad suggestion for how he played uh, that year in the Super Bowl. Coming up on the other side, Rob and I have been having a running back debate, a very different running back debate than we normally have. We'll bring it to you guys. Keep it right here. So drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. There was 
just a story posted by the Kansas City Star about some of the fun novelty prop bets that exists for the Super Bowl. Like you can bet the over-under on the national anthem. That is at 86.5 seconds. The Queen, Reba McIntyre, she's performing. You can bet on the coin toss, heads or tails. You guys know tails never fails. Rob, you can bet if a kick will make contact with the uprights. If someone's going to go doink, you can bet on that if you would like. You can bet on the first team to throw the challenge flag. You can bet over under eight and a half songs performed by Usher at halftime. You have to like the over on that, right? I was going to say the total opposite. The under on eight and a half. I think he's playing full songs. I think he's playing the hits all the way through. And I think there's going to be a special guest other than Ludacris who might take a little shine away and gobble up some time. I think you I think you have to take the under eight and a half. So last year, Rihanna performed 12 songs. But she had no guests. No, no, you're right. She guests. didn't have any guests. 12 songs is still a lot. Eight and a half. I don't think Usher's going up there and giving you seven or eight. I think he, I think he might give you a solid 10. And at the end, Ludacris... And Little John come out and they perform Yeah together. That's how I think. I think that's going to be the big thing is that they all come together to do Yeah. I think they're all going to do Yeah, but I think they're going to. I think he's going to do Yeah and then pivot to other songs, then come back to Yeah with everyone at the end. But I also think there's going to be a special guest. And if you want my dark horse, who's the special guest? Guess? I think it's Bieber. I think Bieber shows you up. You think Bieber's coming out? He's going to do Baby together? He and Usher are buddies. They go back a long way. Didn't Usher discover Bieber? Yeah. So I'm the doing baby together. Now, if they if you count that as an Usher song, okay, you can get over eight and a half. But I think oh, Bieber's popping that's up. That's interesting because it could be Usher does eight songs, Bieber does the one. You end up hitting the under on a technicality. That's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Taylor Swift to make a guest appearance at halftime is plus 550. I would say those odds aren't nearly enough. I do not think she will be coming out during the halftime show. Rob and I have had this debate on what you think the first song played by Usher is. I think it's going to be my way. I think he comes out to my way, and he does that for a little bit, and then he goes into some of his more popular songs. I think he's doing my way. He's coming out hot. He's playing, he's playing yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's song. the first song. You don't do your biggest song as the first song. What did Rihanna open with? Uh, Rihanna opened up with... Uh, Diamonds, right? Better Have My Money was Rihanna's first song. Oh, you know, she, she didn't bring her best and song yeah, And out. then she did Umbrella 11 and Diamonds was the last song. Yeah, no one does their biggest song what? first. Dre did, Dre did his best song first, though, didn't he? I have to go back and check the I set list for you. I have to double check. I thought Dre still. I thought Dre led was still Dre. You think that's Dr. Dre's biggest song? I would say I think it's the biggest. I think it's the most well-known song. I, I don't think, think it's the next episode. I think it, I think still Dre is more popular. I don't know. It's better if that makes sense. Uh, hold on, I will uh, pull it up for you. It was actually next episode was the oh, uh, there you go the first song that was performed. So then you would say he led with his best song. Yeah, I think that was different because there was so many other people that were on it. And still, Dre was actually the last song that he performed. So, yeah, kind of same six in hand, one hand, half a dozen in the other. Uh, and then you can obviously bet on the color of liquid poured on the winning coach. Purple right now is the favorite at plus 200. Purple is the favorite. Just wanted to give you guys some of the prop, uh, some of the prop bets, the fun prop bets that are out there for the Super Bowl. This is the debate that Rob and I were having, and this was a different running back conversation than we usually have. Pete Sweeney's going to join us coming up in about 20 minutes or so. How many Hall of Fame running backs do you think are currently in the National Football League? Because I think there are two obvious answers. 
Christian McCaffrey is going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I saw his stats yesterday. It got posted online of what he has done since he has joined the San Francisco 49ers. And he has been incredible. So since being traded to the Niners, he has 650 touches. He has 2,600 rushing yards, 1,200 receiving yards, and 38 touchdowns since he joined the San Francisco 49ers in the middle of last season. He has been absolutely incredible. When you add that to what he accomplished in Carolina, I think that Christian McCaffrey will be in the Hall of Fame at some point. I think the other running back is Derrick Henry. I would put that three-year stretch of Derrick Henry up against a lot of running backs all time, and Derrick Henry was a better and more dominant player than many of them. After that, I think it really starts to get difficult on if there is another Hall of Fame running back in the National Football League. I actually don't think there is another one, Rob. I think that's it. You are our resident running back guru. Do you think that there is another Hall of Fame running back in the National Football League currently outside of Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry? No. I think those are the two. And that includes guys who I think are just on rosters and, you know, you know, had a great career and are – at the end, like Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, even though he's had a good career and is now just kind of hanging on at the end. I think the answer is two, because I went through it, and I kind of thought of each team. Man, there is not a lot of dominant running backs across the NFL, and the ones that do exist, I don't think either have the body of work yet or just not going to have the time spent. Like, the Ravens were the best rushing team in the NFL. Their starting running back's Gus Edwards. He's not going into the Hall of Fame. Like, Last year's AFC title contender, the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon, not going into the Hall of Fame. Like, think of all the best teams across the NFL. David Montgomery's very good. He was great this year for the Lions, not going into the Hall of Fame. So I think there's two obvious ones, and I think this conversation is going to lead voters to have to evaluate running back differently. The same way, whenever Luke Keekley gets on the ballot, we're going to have to change our perspective on what is and isn't a hall of famer because you're, you're great for a short time, not a long time. You still deserve to be in that conversation is going to pivot to running backs because not many of them are dominant over the span of two contracts. And if you're a great for one, one and a half contracts, is that hall of fame worthy? That's what's eventually going to happen in the NFL. Like I know we got hurt, but Nick Chubb was on a hall of fame trajectory. What happens now? He was great when he was great, but you assume post-injury it's going to fall off. I think the fact there are only two in the league is going to make us change the way we evaluate the position at the Hall of Fame level. There are three people on the text line that are asking about Aaron Jones. Is Aaron Jones a much better running back than I thought he was? Because he wasn't even a running back that I even like considered to be there. Like The first running back that I thought of outside of McCaffrey and Henry was actually Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, and I don't think that either of them are a Hall of Famer, but those were the first two names that popped up to me if you said name one of those guys. Aaron Jones has been to one Pro Bowl and has never been an All-Pro before. I, I don't think Aaron Jones is cl- even remarkably close to a Hall of Famer. He only has three seasons at which he's run for more than 1,000 yards. I think Aaron Jones is a good back, a capable back. I don't think he's close to a Hall of Fame back at all. I think the answer is just two. Is there another tight end that you could see being a Hall of Famer aside from the two tight ends that are playing in this game? Obviously, Kelsey is going. I would also say that obviously George Kittle is going too. He has been the second best tight end of his generation. That guy gets in. I don't think that he at this point is a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer the way that Travis Kelsey is. Like Kelsey is not going to have to wait. 
the five-year minimum, Kelsey is going in on that first ballot. George Kittle may have to wait just a bit if he doesn't get a championship. If he gets a championship, then obviously that changed. He's been a four-time All-Pro. He has made the Pro Bowl five times. He is just 30 years old, so you would think that there's still a lot of good football left for George Kittle. If he gets one Super Bowl ring, then he is possibly a first ballot Hall of Famer. We already know about Kelsey. Is there anybody else in the league that you think is even close, even can make an argument to being a Hall of Fame tight end? No one close, but I'm going to make an odd argument for you. Do you think Sam Laporta is on the trajectory? I know he's a rookie. I know there's a lot of time left. There's a lot of meat on the bone, to quote you. He had a great first year. He was an all-pro in his first year. He had a great first season. He has an argument for being Offensive Rookie of the Year. Not a lot of tight ends check those boxes in year one. I don't know if I can say that yet for Sam Laporta just in this vein. You know how many yards Sam Laporta had this year? And Sam Laporta had a phenomenal rookie season. He had less than 900 yards receiving this year. He had 86 catches for 889 and 10 touchdowns. That's a strong season. That's not Pete Kelsey. That's not Pete Kittle. That's not Pete Antonio Gates or some of the great tight ends that we've However, seen. However, that's not Pete Jimmy Grip. Now, if he can peak, turn into it. It's rookie. I mean, compare rookie to rookie, okay, though. That's 100%. where the ball game changes a little bit. I just can't do that. you, you got to get your first 1,000-yard season before I start putting Hall of Fame conversations around you. you got to go have one of those 105 catches for 1,000 yards, 12 touchdown kind of seasons. i got to see you do that before I start putting you in that in that conversation. That's why I don't think there's anyone that's sure fire. I don't think there's anyone where you have like, oh, he's in like TJ Hawkins had a good career. He's the hall of good to me. I think that's just, you know, the way it's going to shake out for him. Like thinking of guys across the league, I think there's a lot of hall of good, but not a lot of hall of fame. I was just curious the conversation on Laporta because he's as, he's off to as good a start as you can imagine from a rookie, but there's just so much more story left to tell, but he's the only guy I'd have a conversation about right now. A lot of people on the text line are asking, what do you think about Mark Andrews? Mark Andrews only has one season in which he's mm-hmm. had a thousand yard a year. I just don't know if you can play at the same time as Kittle, the same time as Kelsey, and not even come close to putting up the numbers that those, that those individuals did. And Mark Andrews is obviously a very, very good tight end. He only has one season where he's had more than 900 yards receiving. I know he plays in an offense and plays with Lamar, so that changes his numbers. I don't think that Mark Andrews is close to being a Hall of Famer. He only has it's accolades, right? He only has one All-Pro. Or does he even have the one All-Pro? I think he only has one. He's going to be, we look back and go, man, he was really good. He just was in the same era as Kittle and Kelsey and got screwed by it. Tough break, but that, that's kind of life sometimes, how it works. Yeah, a lot of people are saying Mark Andrews played in a run offense first. I just, yeah, I just, these numbers are just very, very ant to me. Someone I, asks about on the text line about the, it's like near the end guy, Zach Ertz. I would say Zach Ertz is a no. Yeah, I Looking would say at Zach, his Ertz numbers, is no Zach Ertz is a no. Zach Ertz was a, another Hall of Good player. Productive yeah, a lot NFL of these guys are just good players. Yeah, not Hall of Fame. Zach Ertz also only has one season yeah. over 1,000 yards. I'm just, you got one. You're just Peyton Hillis with more consistency. You had a spark, and that was it. Good good player. Of all the disagreements that you and I have, Rob, we normally are in line with who is a Hall of Famer and who isn't a Hall of Famer. Being good and well-known for a long period of time, that's not enough to get you, at least in my Hall of Fame. You can't have one elite high-end year, and then you're a Hall of Famer for me. Or just be 
good. Like Zach Ertz was good for a long time. He was an 800-yard receiver for five years in the league. That's good. No, no problem with that. Not when I'm looking at what Kelsey's doing on the other side. Not when I look at what Antonio Gates was doing. Not when I look at what Tony Gonzalez was doing. I'm talking about cream of the crop. These are the tight ends that get into the Hall of Fame. You can't have one dynamic season and then argue you're a Hall of Famer to me. I would also say, for people on the text line who are, I kind of forgot Jimmy Graham was in the Hall of Fame. Jimmy Graham kind of falls in the same category as Mark Andrews to me, right? I don't know his accolades off the top of my head, but I don't remember Jimmy Graham being some Antonio Gates level. Wow. Jimmy player. Graham did have like a two year stretch where he was amazing. Though. Not enough. I mean, I'm not having in front of me, but I don't think that's enough either. No, I wouldn't vote Jimmy Graham into the hall of fame either, but Jimmy Graham had, he had two monster seasons, 2011 with new Orleans. He had 99 catches for 1300 yards and 11 touchdowns. And then a couple years later in new Orleans, he had 86 catches for 1200 yards and 16 touchdowns. So he had two as high of peaks that you could possibly have at the position. And then he was just good for a while. You know, he was just good after that. I would vote no on Jimmy Graham if I was a Hall of Fame voter. I would vote no. I would agree. I actually kind of forgot he was in the league. Is, to be honest with you, I, he got kind of signed late by the Saints. But, yeah, I would also put him in the no category. It feels good when you and I are on the same team, you know? It doesn't, happen, it doesn't happen often that you and I are in the same conversation. But this time it – uh. This time it happened, so I actually uh, I feel I feel very good that you and I are on the same page once for a Hall of Fame debate. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to be joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. He's going to be on the show coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Travis Kelsey earlier today was on the Pat McAfee show, and, well, I'll play it for you. Did you wear the all-black on purpose, too? I saw the, uh, you know, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris, Jones, Chris Jones made it, made sure to tell everybody, make sure you're wearing all black this week. We're going in there. We're going to hit the bank like Chiefs of Holic, baby. <laughs> He's watching in jail somewhere right now. Yep. Oh, yes! Oh, yes! Oh, I did have my impact on the game. Where's my wolf mask? <laughs> show and Travis Kelsey earlier today went on the Pat McAfee show and was talking about uh, them wearing all black to the stadium. I actually, uh, I did not notice that I was not paying attention. I didn't even, cause I saw like Snead coming in. Snead had on like a, he had like a red suit on and then MVS. He has that hat that makes him look like Pharrell. You know, the hat I'm talking about, you've seen that hat that MVS wore. He, he looks like Pharrell or Kung Lao from Mortal Kombat. I didn't notice that they were wearing the all black until I heard uh, Travis Kelsey's interview earlier today on the Pat McAfee show. I should have been paying closer attention to that. Did, did you notice that? Did you know that they were wearing all black on, uh, on, on Sunday? No, but I had heard the Chiefsaholic thing because MVS tweeted out after the game. He tweeted out, we left the bank and then he had a photo of Chiefsaholic, but I didn't notice the all black thing. I I knew the Chiefs of Holic thing, but did not notice the all black. Good good for them. Coming up in just a little bit, we're going to be joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Now, I'm going to do this reluctantly, and I'm only doing this because today is Rob's birthday. Today, Rob turns 31 years old. Happy birthday to our guy, Rob. Salute to him. Let's start number one. Now, I don't want you to tell anybody this, Rob. But I would really like to go to the Kansas game against UNLV. Now, this is not a game that I would go to if it was in Allen or if it was in Lawrence. 
This is not a game that I would go to if it was at Arrowhead. Do not have any interest. The fact that they are playing a real team at Sporting Park actually piques my interest a little bit. You've been to that stadium before, very small, intimate, right on top of each other. It only seats, what, 10,000 people. That's going to be a fun, lively environment for a college football game. UNLV made a bowl game last year. They were not a bad football team by any means. They got Barry Odom at head coach. I'd be very interested in going to that game. Now, I thought I would be interested in going to the Colorado game. It's near the end of November. It's probably not a game I'm going to be at. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, at that point of the of the college football season, I'm not going out there. It's cold. It's windy. It's 41 degrees outside. I'll be watching that game at the house. But I am very intrigued to see how Kansas performs this year. They got two games at Sporting Park. They got four games at Arrowhead. I actually have a serious question. What are they going to do for all those businesses? Because if you are a business on Mass Street, those six home games are really, really important to you. If you're a hotel in Lawrence, having six home football games is a really, really big deal. You're just going to lose all of that money over the course of the fall? That stinks. I don't know their plan. I mean, there's a lot of their plan that I don't know. Like me and somebody talking yesterday, like what happens to the student body? If you're a student and you want to go to a KU game, are they going to bust you out? Or do you have to drive to Children's Mercy Park or Arrowhead on your own? I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how the season ticket holders are going to be I assume they're going to have something for the something. students. I don't know how they're going to handle the, the economic loss that Lawrence will face. I assume they have some sort of projections or like they've done some math. The statisticians have done some work because I can't imagine they tear down the stadium and just thought, oh boy, we didn't think this through. But that I mean. Bill Snyder always said he liked home games in Manhattan to benefit Manhattan businesses. Lawrence businesses will obviously be affected by Kansas being not in Lawrence in 2024. Another thing is, are people really upset about this horns down thing? Like, I know the coach for Texas, he was mad about this a couple of days ago. I saw that KU played really the only team that they can dominate in Big 12 play this year is Oklahoma State. Oh, you better watch. That's when you really get to see Kansas at full strength when they play Oklahoma State this year. They really pound them into submission. They don't do that to anybody else in Big 12 play except Oklahoma State. I saw yesterday they were at the game and they were doing horns down. Are people mad about this? Is this something I didn't keep up with it, but I know that they were mad about this two weeks ago. I don't know if they're still mad about this. It seems like very much a college football, college basketball thing to be mad at that they are now making fun of your hand signals. Was this a thing yesterday at the game? Were you at the game yesterday? I was at the game yesterday when they showed the Chiefs offensive line. The members that went to Oklahoma or at one point played at Oklahoma all proudly hit the horns down. So, I mean, I don't feel any way about it. Do horns down all you want. Why Texas. are they doing that at a game in which Texas isn't playing? Just a reminder that Texas still sucks. Okay. Is that what, I mean, I, I don't know this. Help me if I'm wrong here. That sounds like rent free to me. It sounds like rent free. To be fair, me and you should be on the same team here. Do you know why conference realignment started? Texas sucks. Okay. I just was wondering. I just didn't know. I was uh, I was unaware. I just was asking. I saw this. You guys are playing Houston this week. You guys gonna be favored in that game? Because nope. I saw I saw that Ken Palm actually has Houston as a five point favorite. They have the, Houston as a five point favorite in Allen Fieldhouse. Absolutely not. Sign me up. Yeah, I will hap- happily take. I would take KU against the Pistons at Allen Fieldhouse. 
I've seen that building. I've seen what that building can do. And they are not letting you go into Allen Fieldhouse and leave with the win. They would 100% beat the Pistons. 100% beat them if they played that game at Allen Fieldhouse. They wouldn't beat them anywhere else. But in that building, with those officials playing eight on five, 100%. They would leave with the win. Coming up on the other side, someone that has been to Allen Fieldhouse a time or two, Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride, the editor-in-chief. Pete Sweeney will join us coming up at the top of the hour. Keep it right here. It's The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. He's the editor-in-chief of the most popular Chiefs website on the Internet and is a master of impressions. If they win this game, they're going to make the playoffs. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride joins The Drive. For a championship preview, you need a championship kind of guest. I am very happy and honored to be joined in studio by a man that needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. A seven-time Pro Bowler, nine-time first-team All-Pro. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Pete Sweeney! Good to be here. Pete Sweeney, how are you doing today, my man? Oh, it's good. Yeah, I'm great. It, it, it... It's a great uh, time to to be alive here. We're getting ready for uh, Super Bowl. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. week i'm assuming rob went to work and and got dug up all the takes of all the fans going into the text line and you and him complaining about the chiefs and me every week saying i think they're good enough to make the super bowl you have that you got that montage ready no we don't have that montage hold on let's be fair here i never completely jumped (laughs) off ship i was holding this show together rob did now, I will give you this, and I see you got bandages on your hands from patting yourself on the back okay. over these last couple of days. I'm, I was just wondering. You, you get... never wavered. No. When everybody was, hey, go make a trade. I think they're good enough. I think they're good enough. I think you and I were looking at it differently but kind of came to the same conclusion. This team had the talent, but mm-hmm. they just had to stop turning the football over. They had to get out of their own way. And a big thing that I've been talking about this week, Pete Sweeney, is They let the Ravens do what they did during the regular season. The Ravens had three turnovers in the game. The Ravens had 95 yards of penalties. The Ravens abandoned the run in that game. All the things that the Chiefs did to shoot themselves in the foot against the Lions or the Eagles or the Packers or the Bills, the Ravens did all of those things on Sunday, and you're just not going to beat good teams like Kansas City if you compound all the mistakes that they did. Yeah, we don't need to dwell with how right I was, even though I was extremely right. I no, think, go ahead and do it. Right I, now I think, is the time to take your time. I think the big I think the big thing that sticks out that I would say is that we have seen teams that are defense first and this good at defense historically be able to win the Super Bowl. And in those years, those offenses were actually ranked worse than where the Chiefs were, which is right around like that nine to twelve range. And it's extended to the playoffs. I mean, I I still think that if this were the regular season, <laughs> there would be fans complaining uh, that the offense completely wasn't there in the second half and they are not going to be able to go far enough. But the, the trick is here, they are far. I mean, they're in the in the Super Bowl. And so uh, this is a different way, as I, I kind of uh, alluded to the, the whole season, of getting there and, and being able to do it. And now, uh, you know, anything can happen on Super Bowl Sunday. And I actually think the Chiefs, especially with the way that the 49ers defense has been playing, matches up pretty well. Because, right, like if the offense to me is still a weaker point, certainly it was in that second half. But people have been really gaining a lot of yards on the 49ers. And I think if there's anyone to curb this four-headed monster that is the 49ers offense, it's probably Steve Spagnuolo and whatever he's going to drop. So I think the Chiefs are in a pretty good position right now. I thought this was the 2023 Chiefs almost perfectly. Their offense did just enough. Their defense was the best unit in the National Football League. Their defense was dominant and controlled the game. But 
just this time, they didn't make the critical mistake. And we talked about this yesterday on the show. I think the Chiefs deserve a lot of credit for them responding after the Raiders game. That team and that offense was way off just five, six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But they really relied on Isaiah Pacheco. They really leaned into Travis Kelsey. They really leaned into Rasheed Rice. And they've cut some of the fat. They have really pared this offense down. And Patrick Mahomes hasn't turned the football over since that game against the Las Vegas Raiders. That was the last interception that he's thrown. That was a long time ago to not throw an interception. Something with Pat clicked in middle to the end of the year in that final frame. We don't break this season into exact fourths anymore because it's 17 games. But like in that that final stretch, right? I think he just realized, and this whole team identity-wise realized, A, as you're saying, lean into what is Pacheco, Rice, and Kelsey, and then B, when maybe they aren't available, maybe you take a shot with an MBS, maybe you take a Watson, but whatever you do, just don't turn it over. Don't just force something into Kelsey or Rice and have it picked off or do your best not to fumble the football. And when you do that and you don't put the defense at the 20 or 30-yard line with 20 or 30 yards to go, then all of a sudden you're in control of every football game. And I think that's where the Chiefs have found themselves. And I think it's a repeatable equation, a, a repeatable recipe for how to beat what is a really good 49ers team. But, I mean, if you are looking for confidence, I know a lot of Chiefs fans have made this connection already. The Baltimore Ravens kicked the crap out of the 49ers, and it's never exact uh, in football, but you saw what Steve Spagnuolo was able to do to that offense. I, I tend to think there's going to be some plan in place. And, of course, and I don't think shut out the 49ers, but certainly limit what they can do. We've been calling it the formula on this show. Yeah. That they implemented the formula. They didn't kind turn of, the football <laughs> over. They ran the football effectively, and they played good defense. Kind of uh, a shout-out to uh, uh, Kansas grad uh, Joel Embiid, kind of uh, the process adjacent in a way. But, yes, uh, it's a new um, manner of operating. I just think it's for this year's Chiefs team. And, like, if you want to talk about what's scary for the rest of the AFC and NFL in the immediate future, you know, I, yeah, I think you can make a case Snead has to be paid, Jones has to be paid in one, in, in one way or another. The defense is going to be weaker next year. Which but, one do you pay in first? <sighs> so, like, let's say you can only keep one of them because you only have one franchise tag. And if you let the other one hit open free agency, you are losing that player. You don't bring that a, player back. Maybe this is a little hot takey, but probably Chris Jones. Chiefs have been really good at identifying these kids in the draft. Trent McDuffie's another stud. They just keep on doing it. You know, they were able to find those guys in the seventh round. I, I think it's a little bit harder to find a, a defensive line game wrecker like Chris Jones, even at his age. But it would be against the Chiefs formula. They don't like to pay guys his age. So I, I'm curious as to seeing, um, you know, how that plays out. But I just think they're in a in a great position uh, to to get this done. And I, I probably feel more confident. Uh, with the Chiefs against Brock Purdy and the 49ers that I have the last two weeks in enemy territory with better quarterbacks, right? So uh, this is where the Chiefs want to be, and it should be an exciting, what, 10, 10 to 11, 12 days here. I think the Chiefs might have the best one-two cornerback combination in the NFL with Snead and McDuffie, and I just don't know how you break that up, especially when you look at Snead's age, his injury history. He's 27 McDuffie is, what, 23 years old. He's going to be heading into his second contract soon. Mm-hmm. Like, you got something really, really special with those two. That there are two things in the NFL that right now you are the best at. I guess three things. You have the best coach in the league, the best quarterback in the league, and the two best corner duo combination in the NFL. I'm not letting one of those guys walk away and go play for the Cincinnati Bengals next year. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I you're making me pick. I don't want to get rid of either of these guys. And when it comes down to it, I, I think the Chiefs are more apt to keep Snead than Jones. I, I think that's probably the plan. So whatever you're wishing, I think is probably going to happen here. But I just, you know, I look at Chris Jones and, you know, he takes up two two guys every play. Sometimes it's three guys. And it really helps uh, what are above average players to me in a George Karloftis and a, a Mike Dana. What does the defensive line look like when you're able to double Karloftis and, and there isn't that threat of Jones? Uh, how do some of your really good cornerbacks look at that point? You know, a lot of football just starts up front. And I just, if if you're going to say goodbye to Chris Jones and he might price himself out himself, I mean, there might be just some team, I don't know, with a lot of cap space that just gives him the, the, the brink truck, as they say, and he goes and makes his money and the Chiefs are never going to match that. Um, but... Uh, they're going to have to find a, an ample replacement for him that really can take up space and threaten the quarterback. It'll be an interesting conundrum uh, for Brett Veach and, the, and his team to figure out uh, in the offseason. Fortunately for Kansas Cityans, they get to watch this particular crew for one more game. Right now we're joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. We'll bounce around here a little bit between the AFC Championship game and also the Super Bowl. We certainly got a lot of time until the Chiefs take on the San Francisco 49ers what do you think, or I guess how do you think they replace Charles Aminahu next Sunday? Yeah, I, d- I did a little bit of digging into this. The way that the Chiefs operated at the beginning of the year, they would play a lot um, of a – it was a combination of Felix Anodike Uzama and then uh, Malik Herring, who's been here for a couple of years now. And then as the season went on and Aminahu returned, Herring was down for all of these weeks, and then Felix got a handful of snaps here and there. He was kind of phased out. That became a storyline toward the end of the season. In Week 18, uh, when when they were resting some of these guys, they played a lot. And I think from what the playoff snaps indicate, they must have liked Herring's film a lot more than what Felix was bringing to the table because Herring has been active for the playoff games, and then Felix has been not has not been. And so what I think is both of these guys will be active for the Super Bowl and it will be a rotation uh, and who's playing well, that type of thing It would be nice to get some kind of uh, production out of Felix, just considering he was a first rounder. But I think this combo Herring and, and Odike Uzama will be thrown into the fire. It's a tough loss. Uh, it's a shame because Amenahue was playing outstanding and he would even had a little bit extra juice just playing that old team in, in this all important game. Would you be interested in bringing Frank Clark back? I was asked this question, so I'm going to ask you. I might ask you about Justin Ross next, just to really so make Super Bowl week a thing. You love to, you just love to stir this peat pot, but I, you can't, you can't bother me. There's no game this week. It's a casual week. We're strolling into the. Oh, you got 50 more minutes in studio. I mean, if that's the challenge, <laughs> <laughs> if that's the challenge, I think I could do it by 3:45. Anyway, uh, no, the answer is no. The answer is no. He went to Denver. They ended up cutting him. Right, he wasn't able to be a contributor there. Uh, then everyone wanted him back in Kansas City, went to Seattle. They ended up cutting him there. Now, uh, the answer is no, and uh, and nothing against Frank. I mean, it, it's just when the writing's on the wall, the writing's on the wall. Like, you know, I don't know what he could bring to the table at this point. Um, two teams, and there's tape, have identified that he doesn't have you know, that it anymore. And so I think you roll with the guys you have. Right now, we're joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. The thing that was really, I guess, startling to me about the AFC Championship game is that Baltimore had got to this point by playing a very specific style of football, running the football, controlling the line of scrimmage, Lamar being dazzling and making great plays. 
You want to know how many design runs they called in the, th- uh, in the second half of the game? They called three. How do you think that that's your formula to win if you were the Baltimore Ravens? You were number one in rush attempts, and you were 30th in pass attempts, yet you throw it 37 times and only run it 16 times in the game. Their game plan to me was so odd, and it felt like Kansas City with those two long drives at the very beginning of the game, it felt like they just took the wind out of the Baltimore Ravens' sail, and they just never really recovered offensively while Kansas City maintained and they played their version of playoff football. They didn't do this consistently in the regular season, but they played their brand of football. That was the most telling thing to me on Sunday. It was baffling what Baltimore tried to do. And I know, you know, I had uh, Twitter X up while uh, the game was going on. I think Warren Sharp pointed it out mid game. He's like, what are the Ravens doing? Because they just were passing and passing and passing. And the Chiefs' defense has been very good against the pass and sometimes a little bit questionable against the run. And they run the football probably better than anyone in, in the league when you, you include the quarterback. And so now I came into this game thinking and, and not ruling out, well, maybe it looks like when Baltimore has the ball, one of these Army-Navy games where they're just running nonstop, Edwards gets it, a little bit of misdirection, maybe they hand it off to Flowers or OBJ for one of those end-around Hardman looks. Maybe there's some design runs for Lamar Jackson. Maybe he throws the ball 20 times and they just try to play this possession game while scoring touchdowns. And it's like – well, Mark Andrews is back, so now we're going to throw it again. And Mark Andrews was invisible, and they couldn't really get it going other than the flowers sequence. And when they finally were able to get it going, his young and experienced showed where he lost his temper and eventually ended up costing them one yard short, enough for Snead to, to draw the fumble. He had a rough five-minute stretch. Oh. A no. really rough. The taunting penalty, Terrible. the fumble, and then he punched the bench and he and split his hand 20, open. 20 minutes later, he blamed the refs, too, for uh, losing <laughs> the game. Yeah, uh, I like Zay Flowers a lot, but yes, a bad hour or so for him in his career that he'll never forget. Anyway, yeah, it it made no sense, but uh, it played right into the Chiefs' hands. (laughs) Like, you're not doing any favors for these uh, conspiracy theorists who are like, hey, the NFL's fixed when, like, the Chiefs, like, and I'm not claiming that by any means, but it's just funny because you would have thought the Ravens have to run. This is going to be a complete run-focused game plan, and... They just went away from what to me was obvious. Like I think sometimes coaches outthink themselves, and this seemed like one of those cases for sure. Yeah, absolutely. There was I, we've seen a lot of inside the NFL footage come out over the last couple of days, and they showed a sequence on the bench where Odell Beckham is talking to Lamar, and he says, "You change the game by running the football. Yeah. It opens things up for everybody. You got to take off." And you just didn't see that version of Lamar. And, and I'm not trying to discredit Kansas City's defense at all. But there were times in that game where you're thinking, Lamar, go. Like, you got to yeah. make a decision here. And it felt like either he wanted to prove that he was a passer or they have just tried to coach him so much of the stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, don't take off, don't run. Where if Baltimore was going to really give themselves a chance to win that game, you were going to have to be aggressive offensively, and that was going to be through Lamar's legs. And I like Leo Chanel a, a lot, but everything in the pregame, you know, reports once once Willie Gay was testing and wasn't able to go, and they they said, well, Leo is going to be the direct replacement for Willie Gay. And man, I I don't know if I'm in the Baltimore locker room and I'm the offensive play caller and I'm I'm seeing this stuff and I'm just like, well, we have Lamar Jackson and the number one person we have to beat is. Leo Chanel with a run, like, I mean, Lamar Jackson outruns the fastest players in the NFL, and it just wasn't a game plan that we're used to from them. And hey, uh, kudos to 
uh, Kansas City's plan. I think when they had to pass, you know, Spag showed them all these different looks and blitzed at times, um, you know, from the secondary, uh, from the second level. And it, Lamar Jackson, he was just disarmed completely. And uh, I think a combination of Spags's plan and just their um, ineffectiveness and, and inability to really get anything going on the ground. What was the crowd like? Very disappointed. Uh, I I thought uh, Hurt. a lot of uh, when the you know there was that sequence where the Chiefs were getting a few calls in a row. Uh, I noticed in front of me a lot of birds were were being thrown around, uh, flying around. They uh, wanted to make sure the refs knew how they were feeling. That makes sense because they're the Ravens. That's a lot of birds mm-hmm. flying around. That yeah, actually they, that checks out. Yeah, they actually have three. I found this out too. I didn't realize this, but they have three mascots: Edgar Allan and Poe. Oh, so there were three birds walking around. Ooh. There were birds flying around in the stands when the Chiefs were getting the calls. When you saw that, that definitely flew over your head. Okay, yeah, uh, this there was a lot. There was a lot of bird action uh, going on after the game. Um, the Ravens, they were. I think a lot of them were ticked off, so they forewent the post-game meal and they offered it up to the media. So I had this huge plate of turkey. Uh, leg, two turkey legs, smothered turkey legs, and fried chicken, collard greens, and yams, and rice. I mean, it was fantastic. But two mer- more birds there. Uh, so bird-filled Sunday for Pete Sweeney. But, I, it was, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time in Baltimore. Good good times. Right now we're joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Were you on the field at the end of the game? Did, did you get to see Taylor? I didn't go out to the field. I was finishing up stuff with the website, but I – was in the um, the stadium part once all the players are coming off the field and it was funny. I mean, we saw I put the video on on uh, my Twitter of Willie Gay. He had like this walk-in boombox and I don't, he, his neck wasn't good enough, but he was like shaking and dancing. And I'm like, well, I think he's going to be good enough for next week. <laughs> I, think he, I think he's all right for next week. They're going to need him against Christian McCaffrey. It was a wild scene. I mean, it it was it was really wild. I mean, it, I think when. When you win the AFC title at home, which we've seen a bunch of times here, like the players and the owners, for example, and the players' guests and stuff like that, they know where to go. But it kind of was like a celebration amid like mass confusion of where all these people go. So there was this – everyone was backed up in this like one little like area. There's a million of us waiting to get in the locker room. Once we get in the locker room, it's like a little bit smaller and the bags were everywhere. So we're like walking over bags to try to talk to players that we need to. Uh, wild times, but – Look, the Chiefs went to Baltimore and left with the Lamar Hunt Trophy. That's what everybody wanted. You know what, Pete? This question just popped in my head. Mm. We normally ask Aaron Ladd true-false questions about the playoffs. You know what? I'm going to ask you this time a true-false question. Rob, give me a little music here. Oh, look at this. True or false, Christian McCaffrey is the best player that the Chiefs have gone up against in the Super Bowl. In this playoff run? In any of their Super Bowls. Oh, in any of the Super Bowls. Mm. Yeah, because he wasn't on the last 49ers team. No, he was not. It really <laughs> makes you think. I don't know. I think the – so it was uh, Brady and the Bucks, and then the Eagles. I think I would give – I think I would give Jalen Hurts the nod over CMC. But CMC's either number two or number one. And – uh Man, I thought Jalen Hurts played well that night, too. He was great. I mean, I think he might have been the best player in the field in the loss. Uh, I'm going to go Hurts, but 
CMC's right there. I mean, I, I'm not going to hate you if, if you say so. I'm going to say false, but it's like, a, it's like a close false. Rob, where are you at? Christian McCaffrey is the best player that the Chiefs have gone up against in the Super Bowl. False, Bart Starr. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's false. I think George Kittle in 19 was the best individual player. That He was... I know we argued about it in Sports Talk Radio, who's better, Kelsey or Kittle in 19, but Kittle in 19 was sensational was that was that the year kelsey had the record for like a minute and then kittle took it correct because they was, played later mm-hmm. yeah yeah see i think individual one season 2019 kittle may be the best player the chiefs faced in the super bowl i think the answer is true i think it's christian mccaffrey hmm. when you think about all what he can do he could have 100 yards receiving in this game. He could have 100 yards rushing in this game. Their offense specifically goes through him. I think it, I think it's Yale, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I just gave it to Hurts because it was the best quarterback that they've seen. You know, Hurt, you know this, Carrington. The quarterbacks are allowed to throw the ball. We don't see a lot of throws from Christian McCaffrey. So I just think that dual threat. He threw it last year in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I think it's because they true. have to. Yeah. Um, but it's just that makes me, I think it tips Hurts for me, and he played so well. Where so. on this list would you put Tom Brady? Probably three. Easily for me. Um, Brady wasn't really that good in that game. He didn't need to. Be. First to breaking news in Kansas City Sports Radio. Breaking news. I don't even know what the breaking news is. Do you know what it is? No, this is breaking I'm Chiefs at, news, too. Oh, at you in the eyes From Adam Schefter, the Panthers are naming Brant Tillis, the Chiefs wow. executive, their new executive VP of football operations. What many consider the Chiefs cap guru is headed to Carolina to work for David Te- Tepper and co. I don't know if that was breaking news worthy. <laughs> I don't know if that was. That's a big job for him that was uh, breaking to news. get. Salute to uh, Brant Tillis, though, for getting the call up makes sense to me. He, uh, he's good. I mean, he was, he was the, um, he was one of the major factors in Patrick Mahomes contract and sort of reinventing the book on this guarantee mechanism thing where they can pick and choose when they activate certain money. And, you know, we've seen him now, uh, move that money to afford certain players. How do you think he's going to handle uh, Bryce Young's contract in a couple of years? Yeah. Uh, we'll see if he gets one. I think that um, I think it's a good move, for, and it's someone that the Chiefs are going to have to replace. Uh, you know, he's they, there's this brain trust that the Chiefs have with Brett Beach and Chris Shea and uh, Brand Tillis, and Tillis is very, very good at this stuff. So we'll see what the Chiefs do to replace. Are you surprised he left for a non-GM job? Like he's just an executive over there. That seems like a lateral move at a way worse organization. I think he'll be doing the same type of thing, working closely with the GM to back channel and figure out extensive plans and how to afford everybody as best they can. Um, I'm assuming also the bag came into play. The bag too. came, and then also I'm sure the title. This is he's obviously one of the top football decision makers now. Where he was more someone that I think complimented, you know, Brett Veach here. So uh, that's a good job. Good, you know, kudos to him. I think the Carolina Panthers have quite the rebuild. So uh, a tough job, but. Uh, good for him. Back to Christian McCaffrey really quickly is, I guess I would argue yes for McCaffrey, which is different because I know Hurts plays quarterback, so it's just different. Of any of the teams that they have played, San Francisco needs him to play well to win. Like yeah. if we are talking on the Monday after the Super Bowl that Christian McCaffrey, like he has to have at least 100 total yards from scrimmage for, in order for San Francisco to win. There is not a scenario yeah. of San Francisco winning the game 
if Christian McCaffrey has 87 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, that can be true, though, about uh, Jalen Hurts. Less about Brady. I mean, all Brady needed to do is get the 10 points uh, in that game. Uh, I think you can make the case that if Hurts didn't play well, they wouldn't have been even close to uh, matching the Chiefs' total from from last year. But, yeah, I mean, it's obvious to me if the 49ers win the game or make it a game and you know come close to winning in the fourth quarter, McCaffrey's numbers are going to be good. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, Tom Brady in that game was 21 of 29, 201 yards passing, did have three touchdowns and no interceptions. So uh, he was uh, he was very much Tom Brady in that Super Bowl win yeah. over the Chiefs. He was good. But I think, you know, your point of like if player, I mean, all Brady needed to do in that game was get to 10. <laughs> it's not like they needed. <laughs> it was just so bad with the protection for the Chiefs. I mean, everyone remembers that. What a nightmare. But uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think for me, it's Hurts, CMC, Brady. I do want to get back to the Chiefs coming up in just a bit. I'm going to give you the same homework assignment that we gave our guy Aaron Ladd. I want to play mm. for you Aaron Ladd's answers. So because the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, we asked him to give us his top five list of foods in a bowl. So I want to play for you what Aaron Ladd had to say. We'll get Pete Sweeney's top five list of foods in a bowl, and then we'll continue to break down Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. That's coming up. Keep it right here. we got Pete Sweeney in studio from Arrowhead Pride. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's Trent McDuffie. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. I do want to get back to very serious football things. But we have something even more serious than that. The Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl. So we asked Aaron Ladd of KSHB 41 News to make us his top five list of foods that come in a bowl. You know Aaron Ladd. (laughs) He's all right. I want to play for you what Aaron Ladd, what his top five was of foods that come in a bowl. Mr. Salmon, I call him now. Number five is ice cream, which I don't eat out of a bowl anyway. Okay. Number four, this was mentioned last week, gumbo. Incredible. Cereal, number three. Mm. And I've got hot and cold cereal. So oatmeal, uh, and then I think of also like Frosted Flakes. Number two, this should be on everybody's five, serving the bowl. Chili. Okay. Especially this time of year, I will put like Fritos or some kind of corn chip on top with like cheese in there. What's your number one here? Chili is number two. This is easy. Soup. Home run. So that was the top five from Aaron Ladd. Just outside of the top five, he had dip. So we are now coming to you, (laughs) Pete Sweeney. Dip. These are your five favorite foods that come in a bowl in celebration of the Chiefs playing in the Super Bowl. All right, Pete Sweeney, take it away. Yeah, Super Bowl fact. Um, Lamar Lamar Hunt made up Super Bowl. You know that? I did know that, actually. He was bouncing a Super Bowl, and that's how he came up with it. Oh. Serious. That's a serious story. Okay, number five, uh, Thai. Uh, I know Aaron Ladd mentioned chili, but I'm going to put paella on the, the... Number five rank here. Okay. Number four is cereal. I, I don't know why uh, Lad included hot cereal. Hot cereal is not on the list. This is cold cereal with your choice of no. Yeah, because we were having this debate and people were like, well, it says cereal on oatmeal. I don't no. look at oatmeal as being a cereal. Oatmeal. I know it technically might be, but whenever your kid asks for a bowl of cereal, they're not asking you for 
Quaker Oats. Oatmeal They're asking too. for some Cinnamon Toast Crunch or some Lucky Charms. O- you know that. And oatmeal's fine, but it does not crack the top five. Okay. What do you put in your oatmeal? I don't know. I try to sprinkle a little of, like, the brown sugar. I'm not a huge oatmeal guy. My girlfriend eats this oatmeal, and I just... I'm a big fan on, like, when you go to a hotel and you get the continental breakfast. I do love a nice bowl of oatmeal. I went to a continental breakfast in, in Baltimore. They had an omelet guy. Oh. I, I know you don't eat that in the bowl, but nothing like an omelet, man. You can, like, You put a little your... crab in there because you were by the sea? No, I had crab. Me, uh, me and Adam Teicher split a pretzel crab um, the night before, so I was good on crab. Okay. But I just had a regular omelet. What okay. Is, what is pretzel crab? They make. We went to the Zale House, and they give you like a pretzel you would get at a ballpark, and they put this like melted cheese and crab on, and it was great. Um, you know, we split that, and it was great. That's right. Adam Teicher. <laughs> Stunner no. that Teicher's at an ale house the night before a big game. Yeah, he had Color a couple. We had a couple. It was great. <laughs> All right, uh, number three, New England clam chowder. I'm going to go specific on the soup. I know that you just said soup in general, but I'm going to go with my favorite soup, which is New England clam chowder. Number two. Not a lot of people have heard of this thing, but it's one of my favorite things in the world. It's called chipino. It's this Italian seafood, red sauce, soupy type dish, and it's very, very good. But you can only get it in certain places. And then number one, Lad had this on this list, but it, the New Orleans style gumbo. I mean, there is nothing better in the world, in the world, in the world than uh, gumbo specifically in New Orleans that you, you're you eating out of a bowl. So that's the list. One, one more time for you. Paella and chili at number five, cold cereal four, New England clam chowder three, Chipino two, and gumbo number one. Undisputed list of no ice cream. Bowl foods. I, I, we're talking foods. I, I don't know why he included that. Ice cream is a dessert. You want to talk about? I fun? mean, I would count ice cream as a food that comes in a bowl. I am so a that's little bit surprised for a couple of things. People on the text line are making a good point here. Mac and cheese, not on your list or Lad's list. That's usually, if I'm making mac and cheese at the house, I normally put it in a bowl, but that's perfectly fine. It's your list. Neither one of you had ramen. Ramen is a top five food that goes in a bowl. I thought, so for mac and cheese, like I will never, ever, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to fat shame anybody here, but I'm not just going to eat mac and cheese as like the whole meal. So for me, mac and cheese is always on, like, it's one of the things on the plate. So that's why it didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. But mac and cheese is fantastic, by the way. And what was the other thing that you said? Oh, ramen. Ramen. Look, uh, I need, I'm, 30, I need the I'm a 35-year-old man. I mean, I don't need to be eating ramen anymore. I, it, you know, I did it. I did it in college. I would heat it up. You know, if, make sure you put water in there. If you're, if, you're, if you're a young cheese fan going to college listening to this because you can burn the whole dorm down. A couple of my friends did that drunk. Not great. Uh, but ramen is good. But there's a time and place in your life for ramen, and that is not now for me. I'm a big believer, though, that I don't care how how you've made it. Everybody still has that food. Like maybe you love corn dogs still, oh, or you love Hot Pockets or whatever it is. That food for me is ramen. Like right now, <laughs> if I am at home and it is 11 o'clock at night and I'm hungry, yeah. you know what I'm making? I'm making some chicken-flavored ramen noodles, man. I love it. Yeah, I think for me that's become Chipotle. Like, there's an aspect of of me that gets excited when, like, usually my girlfriend is the one who cooks, you know, in our house. And sometimes it's kind of exciting when she's busy because I can go in and get Chipotle. I, I really enjoy uh, the Alex Gold special there. Right now we're joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. We just had him give us his top five list of foods that come in a bowl. I do want to get your Super Bowl food thoughts here coming up in just a little bit. We'll get to that coming up. In a bunch. I 
We haven't talked a lot specifically about the game because obviously we have all next week to mm-hmm. do so, yep. right? Just if I'm looking at this game, and I know I'm biased because I live in Kansas City, but if you were telling me that Kansas City, they have the better defense in this game, they have the better quarterback, they have the better head coach, and both of them get two weeks to prepare, yeah. it's just hard for me to come around to the idea that Brock Purdy is going to beat this defense. It's not to me about a quarterback matchup. Like, I can see the Chiefs offense struggling, very similar to how they struggled in the AFC Championship game against Baltimore. I just don't trust Brock Purdy against this defense. And if you give Spags all of this time to figure out a way to somewhat slow down Christian McCaffrey and keep Brock Purdy in check, I'm just going to trust that their defense is going to figure it out. I think that Kansas City has the best unit in the National Football League. Like If you put all 64 units, offense, defense, and cut it right down the middle, I think we've seen now over the first 22 weeks of the season that Kansas City's defense is the best and most consistent unit in the NFL. And I think we see that next Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I think the, I'll explain it this way, and I'm not, you know, we're trying not to jinx anything here, but I just like look at what the challenges were for this postseason. You had the Dolphins in the freezer at home. You had Buffalo on the road, and you had Baltimore on the road, and now you get San Francisco neutral. If you are ranking, and, and we're like just going into these games of like the way I was feeling, if you were ranking level of difficulty, I truly would have ranked um, Buffalo, going to Buffalo and playing them one, going to the Ravens and playing them two. I'd put San Francisco neutral three, and then I would probably put Tua and the Dolphins having to come to that environment as the easiest, which isn't an easy thing. I just think this is, was a, a really tough road for Kansas City. So I would put this as the third biggest challenge for Kansas City. They've had the whole playoffs. So as long as they take care of business, come up with a good plan, do the right things, prepare the right, right way, I think have some semblance of offense in this game against the 49ers defense that hasn't really looked that good since, what, the middle of the season – I think you're looking at a pretty good prospect to win a title. I, I think, and your boy Nick Wright has said this. I've seen it at the national level. I think the toughest challenges are behind him. I think he compared uh, the quarterback to Glass Joe, having to play like the first uh, toughest boxer in that game that was popular. And now you're getting to me um, maybe the worst quarterback that you have had to face in the in the postseason. It's a good situation for KC. They just got to take care of business. What's your favorite soup? I love tomato soup. I like, uh, you know, I. I get this sometimes when I'm I'm, I'm digging in, and I'll uh, the tomato soup in the bread bowl from Panera Bread. Mm. Bread bowl, un, you know, talk about we did, we we were on the topic of bowls, and we didn't even mention this chili in a bread bowl, tomato soup in a bread bowl. You have some kind of seafood style soup like a chowder in New England, Manhattan in a bread bowl, and then you finish, and you could kind of start eating your bowl if you're still a little bit hungry, and it's, it's got the remnants of the soup. Bread Bowl is is really what we need to be talking about. Right now, we're joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Someone on the text line wants to get your thoughts on Kadarius Tony and his Instagram post. We'll do that on the other side. Okay. I do want to get I do want to get your take on some Super Bowl foods, as you seem like a man that loves a good Super Bowl party. Oh yeah! Right now, we're joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Keep it right here. It's the Drive on Six Ten Sports Radio. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Remember to follow the show on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. 
Kansas City, it's Isaiah Pacheco. You're listening to The Drive with Keraton Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Welcome back into The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. Very happy right now to be joined by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Kadarius Tony had an Instagram, I don't even know what word you would use to describe what he was doing on Instagram. Outburst. But he certainly did something on Instagram. This is my stance on it, Pete, and you and I have not talked about this yet no. off the air. He had less than 200 total yards from scrimmage this season. Mm-hmm. Why does anyone care about this? Yeah. Why? I- I don't know. He is not a difference in the game whether the Chiefs will win or lose this game. Maybe he'll play. But this season, he hasn't made enough of a positive impact. And this offense has finally figured it out. It is not a coincidence to me that this offense has started to turn the corner when he got hurt and Sky Moore got hurt. It is just not it, it is not random to me yeah. that this has happened. So I, I get it. Hey, what's going to happen? I know he made the play, the big play last year. I, I, it is better for the Chiefs if Kadarius Tony does not play next Sunday. Yeah, and I think the Chiefs know that. I it it took a while. I think this season for them to lean into other guys. I think they were trying to give Tony and Moore a lot of time, and eventually, I think the time ran out and. There were injuries involved, and now they're sort of on the outside looking in at what is an offensive plan that works for Kansas City. I know that there's been some questions based upon what Tony said about the injury and whether he's injured. I mean, if he's on the injury report, you know, my thought is he's receiving treatment in some capacity. Uh, you know, I don't think they just would make that completely up. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with his story. Andy Reid was asked about it on Monday, and he just said he'll be – Back in practice, and we'll see. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if an NFL team like we used to joke about it with Tyler Bray. You remember, we always would know mm. coming to end of training camp. Oh, they're about to have some mystery injury for Tyler Bray. So I, I don't, I'm not putting it past the Chiefs that he is healthy enough to play, and maybe got clear like, sure. hey, wait, sure, wait, wait. Sure. But again, I don't care. Yeah. He played in 13 games this year and has less than 200 yards from scrimmage for the Chiefs. Why do we, He is wide receiver number six on this team. I, I don't care about him heading into the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think it's a something to be worried about where he's going to be involved. What I see for him is his timeline being similar to what you saw with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year, where he came to the Super Bowl, was ready, was there. Uh, if there were to be an injury while they're getting ready for this game, if something happened, I think he was going to be available to go. But ultimately, he was inactive for the game. I tend to think that's exactly what's going to happen with Kadarius, and you see what happens with him in the off season. And I, I don't know. It it seemed much like Sky Moore. It seemed like both of these guys can just or they they almost need a reset and, and look at twenty twenty four as a year to to be better. We got a long way to go in this, so I won't ask you your Chiefs win if. Niners win if I'll ask you that next week when you come on the show. Sure. But when you start to take an early look at these two teams, yeah. what's been your biggest impression? Because mine has just been, this is the San Francisco team that is really talented offensively and might be the most talented offense that they've seen. I think they maybe have the best offensive lineman in the NFL in Trent Williams. They have the best running back in the league. And, and if you want to talk about one, two punches in the league, 
you probably didn't have a better one this year than what they have in San Francisco with Debo Samuel and his versatility. And then you look at Brandon Ayuk. This is a really, really talented offense that can beat you a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't necessarily dived into the individual matchups. I, you know, I think we will as we get to Thursday morning. I'll be out at Arrowhead uh, tomorrow starting to talk to these players. We'll be out. I think we have media Thursday and Friday. So, um, you know, that that's something that I'm, I'm eager to, 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 to look at as far as, you know, what the personnel matchups might be. But I just think if you take a wide lens to this thing and you just take a, a glance at the schedule, I mean, what I would tell you is the Chiefs and the 49ers had really, really similar Christmas days. You remember Christmas Day in Kansas City? Chiefs got beat by the Raiders. It stunk. Then you, know, you got to the night game. The Ravens just beat the crap out of the 49ers and won 33 to 19. Now, I think Kansas City really built up from that loss, and I, I think it was a turning point for them, and they were embarrassed. Uh, a lot of people went to that game, of course, it being the holiday game, and uh, had to look inward and said, are we going to be that team that just lost to the Raiders, or are we going to be a more efficient team and um, make our way to the Super Bowl by playing good, clean football? And I think they did that. Whereas I know the 49ers like the Chiefs won in the process, but it just didn't look the same. Washington, uh, they ended up winning that game 27-10. to 10. I believe it was tied at halftime. Week 18, they didn't play those guys because they had uh, a reset here. So you're in this game against Washington. That's the first after that Ravens loss. You take week 18 off. You have another uh, week off with the bye. Then you get to the Packers. You can make a case that they should have lost that game. Mm-hmm. You get to the Lions. You can make a case that they should have lost that game. They've been kind of hanging on this thread. It does feel like that. Where I think the Chiefs um, have like powered through and are actually playing their best ball at the right time. Whereas I think the 49ers are like, can we just manage one more win in if like this, this were the middle of the season and the 49ers were going through this stretch, I would tell you, oh, they're in store for a, a losing streak. And they had a losing streak earlier in the year. Remember they had that losing streak where right before their bye, they lost to the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals. So I just think these are two teams that, sure, are they on the same positive direction? Yes, they've both won throughout the playoffs. But I just... The way the Chiefs have been winning these games is different to me than the way the 49ers have been. No, you're 100% right. And I think at least with San Francisco, I mean, since their bye week, because you you alluded to it, they have those three losses. That's the Cleveland, Minnesota, and Cincinnati, a rough October for them. They then have their bye week. They've only lost one game since then. Now, yeah. I don't count the week 18 loss. No, that's Purdy didn't I, I didn't start. Even that. Didn't yeah. start. That yeah. doesn't even count. The only loss that they had to was Baltimore. And I just think offensively, they are completely different when they have Debo Samuel yes. in those games. In those three games, they scored 17 points in all three of those games. 17 against Cleveland, Minnesota, and Cincinnati. They are a drastically different team when they have Debo Samuel. This is a really, really even matchup. We were talking about this yesterday on the show. I understand why the algorithm likes San Francisco in this game. Like, if you were looking at the first 20 games that we have seen of both of these teams, San Francisco has been better than Kansas City. I just think if you were going to give me two weeks and you're going to give me this defense to figure out how to stop Brock Purdy, I just feel really good about Kansas City winning this game. Well, I feel like they're the correct side to be on. You look at these two matchups in the playoffs for the 49ers, and I'm just talking defensively. You had Jordan Love and the Packers and that team give them quite the scare and have 330 net yards in the process. Jared Goff and company were able to have 442 yards. Their defense is not playing well, which I think plays into the hands of the Chiefs who – Yes, uh, had a really nice first half. Second half wasn't great, but I think it's a team that knows its identity now and knows how to 
uh, beat a defense like this. Like I, I see 442 for the, the Lions net yards, and I'm thinking like even in this offense for the Chiefs that has gone through its struggles, like I think they could get to 350 yards against the way the 49ers defense is playing. And I think, sure, I think San Francisco will get its drives, and it's not like I think the Chiefs are going to stop them completely out of the end zone, but I'm with you. I just think Steve Spagnuolo is going to be able to do enough when you think about the poor defense that is the 49ers recently the offense coming on, and just the idea of, well, maybe they don't need to necessarily hold the 49ers to um, you know, what is uh, you know, 14 anymore. If the Chiefs' offense is playing well, maybe the Chiefs get to 24-28. That's a lot of room for error for a really, really good Spags defense, even with all these 49ers weapons. That is our guy Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride joining us in studio. Pete Sweeney will be back in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll go through the hits and the top story of the day in Kansas City. Pete, man, we appreciate you as always. Chapino forever. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, we'll talk about Chris Jones heading into this matchup against San Francisco. That's coming up. Keep it right here. It's the drive. I do want to talk about Chris Jones here coming up in just a bit. I want to read this tweet to you guys really quickly. CDOT, why are you trying to hype up San Francisco? They're trash. All right. I am picking the Chiefs to win this game. I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game, not just because I'm hosting radio in Kansas City. I I, I genuinely feel like they are going to win this game. But I do think it would be foolish to discredit San Francisco coming into this game. I think there are some overwhelming advantages that Kansas City has in this game and why I'm picking them. I think they have the better defense out of these two teams. They have the clear quarterback advantage in this game. They also have the better head coach. They are more experienced than their other team. There are a lot of positives that Kansas City has in this game. But if you were looking at San Francisco this season, when they have had a healthy Debo Samuel, they have lost one game this season. They have been really, really good and consistent when they have had Trent Williams and Debo Samuel playing because that stretch that they had in October where they didn't have those individuals is when they really got into trouble and their offense drastically changed. I think you saw that in Brock Purdy in the game against Green Bay that he desperately needs Debo Samuel to be on the field and their offense drastically changes because there's not another consistent weapon that can really beat you in the passing game. Sure, McCaffrey can't out of the backfield, but you saw a defense like San Francisco, or excuse me, against Cleveland. They took Kittle out of the game in the game that they played. It was just Brandon Ayuk, and that was really, really it. But when Debo was there, it just completely opens up. I think there's some advantages that San Francisco has in this game. Now, you have the coaching advantage. Is Kyle Shanahan the second-best coach in the National Football League? I mean, his resume and what they've been able to build and how he's been able to do it with a lot of different parts, if you told me that you thought he was the second-best coach in the league, I don't think that that is a bad answer. I also think that San Francisco has the best skill position players in the league. I think they have the best running back in the league. They have this season. I think George Kittle was the best tight end in the league this year. But in the regular season, I think George Kittle was the best tight end in the league this year, and they have a very dangerous one-two punch combination. They're a team that, unlike Baltimore, I think they will be committed to running the football, and they are not going to go away from it the way that Baltimore did. 
Baltimore called three run plays in the second half of the game. That's not what San Francisco was doing. San Francisco was going to be pretty committed to giving Christian McCaffrey the football. He got the ball 17 times in the run game and seven catches against Green Bay, and he he has touched the ball 48 times in their two postseason games. If there is one thing you know about San Francisco is they are going to be very committed to giving Christian McCaffrey the ball. So I think these two teams, again, are fairly even. I would give Kansas City the advantage in this because of the offense, defense, and coach, but this is a really worthy opponent and – I think there have been a small handful of teams that have been pretty consistent over the course of the year. Baltimore was one of those teams. You beat that team. The other very consistent team this year is the team that you're going to be playing next Sunday in Las Vegas. I think two things can be true at once. One, I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl because they have been through teams that are better than the San Francisco 49ers. The Ravens, when they faced the Niners head-to-head in Santa Clara, smoked them. 33-19, just embarrassed them. I think the Bills are better than the Niners. I know they didn't play head-to-head this year, but I would tell you the Bills, at least when the Chiefs played them, were a better team than the Niners. But that doesn't mean the Niners are no threat. This isn't like, man, you got through the Elite Eight and the Final Four, and now you get to face Florida Atlantic or some other team like San Diego State that just ballots way through their side. You are facing a real test, and they are a real threat with Debo Samuel. But I think the Chiefs have been through tougher tests while on the road. And with two weeks to get healthy, two weeks to recover, and two weeks for Spags to try to figure Shanahan out, who, by the way, figured him out one Super Bowl already. I think the Chiefs have all the advantages, but it is not just some, hey, roll the ball out there, we're going to go win the Super Bowl. I think that San Francisco has been the second best team in the league since they made the Christian McCaffrey trade. Now, they are playing the best team in the league since the Christian McCaffrey trade in the Kansas City Chiefs. But since the middle of the season last year when they were, they were three and four when they made the trade for Christian McCaffrey. They have been the second best team in the league. I think they beat Philadelphia last year if their quarterback is healthy. But football happened and you don't make excuses for San Francisco. But since the middle of last season, they have been the second best team in the league. This is exactly what you want in the Super Bowl. You have the best team in the NFC taking on the Kings of the AFC for the last two seasons. This is exactly what you asked for. This is why we love the NFL so much. For as random as this season felt at times and how you didn't really know who was good, we got a pretty predictable ending. It was the team at the very beginning of the season that we thought was the best team in the AFC. Now, they went a real long way. You know how you, like, check your GPS and, like, hey, you could have got here a lot sooner. Why'd you go this way? That was Kansas City in the AFC. They were the best team at the beginning of the season heading into it, and they ended the season in the AFC as the best team. And then they're also playing the team in San Francisco that many people thought was the best team in the NFC. You maybe argued Philadelphia coming into the year, but it felt like a 1A, 1B. They have consistently been one of the three best teams in the NFL this year. So if you want to win the championship, if you're Kansas City, you got to go through both of those teams. You already knocked out one of those teams in Baltimore. You did so in their building. Now you play San Francisco, which they should be relatively healthy, fully healthy heading into next week. And it's going to be a really close 27-24, 24-21 game on either side between two really good, really well-coached teams. I mean, made this from the duh department, but this is 
why the Super Bowl is so fun in the NFL. You get the two best teams more times than not, or two teams peaking at the right time, facing each other in close games with the result. I saw someone on the text line earlier say, I'd love the Chiefs to come out and just finally dominate a Super Bowl and blow the Niners out. I don't think that happens in Super Bowls, and when it does, it's rare, and the team that does it is all-time special. This Chiefs team's good. This Chiefs team probably going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to go back-to-back, but I don't think in the pantheon of all-time NFL teams, people are going to say, man, that 2023 Chiefs team, woof, were they special. So unless you have one of those teams, like the first Legion of Boom or the 85 Bears, or we can think of the teams that boat race people in the Super Bowl, usually you get a close game because it's two evenly matched football teams. Or I would say in that scenario, to piggyback off what you're saying, it's a team that we then think back and think, Hey, how did that team get to the Super Bowl? Oh, they got hot. They got Rex Grossman at quarterback, but Devin Hester had nine non-offensive touchdowns, and Brian Lorlacher was the best defensive player in the league. It usually is that kind of game, or on that individual day, you just run into a buzzsaw and you turn the ball over. So it's not crazy to think that Kansas City blows this game out, but you probably force three or four turnovers, and it is just a snowball effect from San Francisco. But I think they showed last week that they can kind of weather the storm. Now, the punch that's coming from the Detroit Lions is a very different punch that's going to come from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, but San Francisco is very much a worthy opponent in this game, and this should be a really good, really close game. Again, I understand why the algorithm likes San Francisco. Like, if you were removing the human factor and just looking at the raw data, raw numbers, and putting them into a computer... I can see how you come away with San Francisco being a slight favorite in this game. But the difference in this game to me is that you like their head coach significantly more who has a track record of winning these games where the other team's coach has a track record of blowing these games. I like one team's defense and think they've been more consistent than the other one. And one team has the greatest quarterback possibly of all time and the other one has Brock Purdy on their team. So I would, I guess, in the human element, and I think the, the money is showing that, I just saw the line. They're getting five times more money on the money line to pick Kansas City. So a lot of people can get caught up in the spread and what it says. The public is believing in the Chiefs and picking the Chiefs to win this game. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. But I do think that San Francisco is a very good football team, and I do think this game is going to be very close. And I do think that San Francisco poses problems for you offensively with what they can do, and it's really going to test a great defense. This is the final test. If the Chiefs defense wants to be known by other people, they certainly have their respect in Kansas City. If you want that all-time historically people look back and talk about your defense, you stop the NFL MVP like you did last week against Baltimore, and now you stop Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and you hold them to 13 points in the Super Bowl, people will talk about your defense for a long time to come. Speaking of the defense, coming up on the other side, we'll talk about Chris Jones and his legacy in Kansas City as we could be heading into his final game. Keep it right here, Sir Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Kansas City, it's George Carlos, and you're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. 
Coming up in about 45 minutes or so, we'll be joined in studio by Pete Sweeney as we get to the hits. I want to get you guys' opinion on this, and we can open up the phone lines, 913-586-7610. I am really curious about the legacy and sort of historical place of Chris Jones. So we were talking about this before we got on the show earlier today, me, Rob, and Speck. And Speck was saying that if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and Chris Jones has his third, that he is the best defensive player that they have ever had. And I said, maybe, but I'm not really sure if that matters. Like, I think it really matters sort of in the eyes of the people and how you view them and how you feel about them. And I don't know if Chris Jones can sort of move up his place a lot higher than where he currently is. I think the legacy of Chris Jones is kind of weird in that regard. Like, one of the top texts that we have, Rob, is I'll read it for you. Text line 913-586-7610. If I was Chris Jones, I would work to try to get 25 per for three years here, and I would sign with the Chiefs. But ultimately, it comes down to what Chris wants, an extra 15 to $20 million or a chance at greatness here in Kansas City. If I'm Chris Jones and the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it would be really, really hard if I am his agent to argue why you should stay in Kansas City. If Chris Jones wins the Super Bowl and this team wins the Super Bowl, I think Chris Jones is going to the Hall of Fame. Find me a dynasty over the last 50 years of the NFL where no one from their defense made it. Whether it was the Niners, whether it was the Steelers, whether it was the Cowboys, the Patriots. If you believe that this is a dynasty, and they certainly will be if they win next Sunday against San Francisco, They are getting more than two Hall of Famers in, and it's not just going to be Mahomes and Kelsey that get in. Other players are going to make it too, especially in a year in which their defense was as good as Kansas City's. If they win next Sunday, they are not winning a shootout 41-38 against the San Francisco 49ers. They are winning the game 24-17. They're winning the game 21-20. They are winning a low-scoring, grinded-out kind of game because that's how almost all the games this season for the Chiefs have been, especially against good teams like San Francisco is. If they win the Super Bowl and he has his third one, and I'm his agent, I'm telling you, hey, you have done everything that you can possibly do in Kansas City. You are going to leave a Hall of Famer. Your name is going to be in the Chiefs' ring of honor. You feel like you took less on the last contract negotiation and you felt like you cut him a deal. I want you now to think 100% about yourself and you got to think that this is your last time at making real money in the National Football League. There is not another contract after you if you're Chris Jones. You don't sign another big deal at 34 years old. This is it. This is the deal that you sign the four-year and you become the highest-paid defensive player in the National Football League. You've already had all the team success. I want you to think about you. I think the Chris Jones legacy is really, really interesting as we are possibly ending the end of his career. Like, if you were asking me today, I do not think that Chris Jones is on the team next year. I think we are heading into his last game. 
I think they're going to keep Snead. I think they're going to franchise tag Legereus Snead. And I think they're going to reach a long-term extension with Legereus Snead at some point over the summer. And I think that Chris Jones is going to go play for another team. And he is going to be one of those guys that at 2 o'clock, right, right when free agency is announced, we hear that he got one of the biggest contracts in the history of the NFL for a non-quarterback because that's just how the league works. We were talking about this earlier. It was fascinating. And it was a great notion by Speck about he might be one of the best defensive players in the history of the Chiefs. But I don't know his legacy will ever go down as loved by Chiefs fans because of that moment in week one this year. Maybe he undoes that if he signs a long-term contract, wins a Super Bowl, the Chief for life, and this, that, and the other. And maybe I'm using the text line as my barometer, and they don't speak for all fans because I understand there's real people outside the text line. But if you were to tell me, hey, how do fans feel about Chris Jones? What I would tell you is they're scorned from week one. That photo on NBC of him in the suite, smiling and having a good time, eating popcorn with draped around him or his two agents after the team took the field and the Chiefs go out and lose the opener, turned a lot of fans off after a very contentious negotiation. And I think that moment is going to stick with Chiefs fans. The only way his legacy isn't really good player, fringe Hall of Famer, was great here, but not one of us is if he signs a long-term deal at the end of this one and goes down as a chief for life. Because I would tell you that even he, though he was a better player, in three to five years, if Chris Jones doesn't re-sign in Kansas City, Tom Bahali is a more popular player. Like right now on the text on Cedar, I don't think you let him just walk outright. You do a tag and trade. You have to make a decision between Snead and Chris Jones. There is not a scenario to me. I know you guys will say, oh, well, they could. No, we know how the NFL works in free agency. There is not a scenario in which you do not franchise tag Legereus Need and keep Legereus Need. There is not a way to do it. None. If you are going to let him hit free agency and you are going to let the other 31 teams bid on a 27 year old healthy corner that could do just about everything, you are losing that player in free agency. So if I was the Chiefs, I would franchise tag Legereus Need at $18 million. I would then sign him to a long-term extension, and I would thank Chris Jones for everything that he's done, and he would hit free agency and probably go get the bag. Like, I'm reading the text line. We could take phone calls on this. I mean, it is split. Text line 913-586-7610. Rob, that's a horrible take. Chris Jones still and will always be beloved. Literally the text right above it. Chris Jones will go down as liked but not loved because of that week one incident. I can't speak for all of Chiefs Kingdom. I don't want to speak for all of Chiefs Kingdom. I don't think you guys love Chris Jones. I think you guys like Chris Jones. I think there is a difference we see sort of in Kansas City. That there are some people that you embrace as your own. And then there are some people that played for the Royals or some people that played for the Chiefs. And I think that's perfectly fine. Like, not everybody is a forever player for your team. We look at the New England Patriots. They have had some incredible teams. Vince Wilfork went to go play for the Houston Texans at one point. Ty Law came to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. You got everything you could out of that player, and then the business side took over, and you allowed that player to walk in free agency. That's the game. 
That's how you got Terrell Suggs on your team. That's how Von Miller went to go play for the Rams and how Von Miller went to go play for the Bills. That is just the game. That's how Neil Smith went to go play for the Denver Broncos. I think that's who Chris Jones is going to be, and that's fine. He's going to have his place in the ring of honor. Again, I think that Chris Jones is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like If, if you believe that they are a dynasty, then this player gets into it. He has been their best defensive player for a team that will have won three Super Bowls, and he has made five All-Pro teams. That is a player that goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He just is, especially when you've had two of the monster seasons that he's had, and he's widely regarded as the second-best player at his position during his era. That Aaron Donald is one, and then people will argue Chris Jones is two. I don't think he gets in on the first ballot. That's reserved for your Aaron Donalds and those kind of players. But I think Chris Jones gets in in his first five years of trying to get into the Hall of Fame, especially if you were the best defensive player for the Kansas City Chiefs during their dynasty run. So I think he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. I think he's got all the personal accolades. Now it's, I'm not interested in leaving 30, $40 million on the table. I've done that for the team, and I got all the team success that I can. Now I go to another team. I collect my $110 million and my $65 million guaranteed, and I set me and my family up for life after football. I mean, if we can accept that for Travis Kelsey, we can accept that for Patrick Mahomes. I don't know why we can't accept that for Chris Jones, that maybe your life after football just doesn't include you having a 15-year career in Kansas City playing for the Chiefs. I think there's two conversations at play here, because I agree Chris Jones is a Hall of Famer, but... There have been Hall of Famers who have played for the Chiefs that aren't beloved by Chiefs fans despite being Hall of Famers. And this example is extreme, but I think you'll get my point. Tyreek Hill is going to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He had incredible seasons in Kansas City. He won a Super Bowl in Kansas City. All this. Tyreek Hill is not loved by Kansas City. No one in Kansas City goes, you know who I love? Tyreek Hill. Not a person. No one. If it wasn't negative 72 degrees he out, a chance, though. he would have been, he had a chance. He had a chance. If it wasn't negative 72 degrees out, he would have been booed out of Arrowhead yeah. in that playoff he game. Had a shot. But he's a Hall of Famer. Chris Jones is a Hall of Famer. But I wonder if he'll ever be beloved the same way a Kelsey or a Mahomes or a Holly or a player of that magnitude is in Kansas City if after this season, when he set out week one, he walks for what fans will deem the bag and chases the money over the legacy. I wonder if he'll ever be in that loved forever untouchable echelon or if he'll go down more as an Eric Berry type. Because remember, when Eric Berry left Kansas City because of saying it wasn't in my spirit and him not being good, there was a time where he was a pariah and fans had turned on him. I think it swung back with Barry since then, but I think that's what Chris Jones' legacy ends up being. Doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer, but I wonder if he ever gets that full embrace from Chiefs fans if he plays for the Vikings at this time next year. Let's go to the phone lines and hear what you guys think about this. 913-586-7610. Neil and Lone Jack, you called us to the show. Hey, Neil, how you doing today, my man? Great, guys. Um, and again, happy birthday to Rob. Um, I feel very strongly about this one, and that's why I called. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> Aside from contract negotiations, Chris Jones has been an exemplary uh, citizen. He's been an incredible player. He's one of the best players of all time for our defense. I don't take um, things lightly with my fandom. I've been a fan for 35, almost 40 years of this team, and I have three jerseys my entire life, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Thomas, and Charles Jamal. 
if this turns out, I was going to be upset if the holdout caused us from getting a wide receiver, and that's what caused us from being able to solidify this dynasty. But the way it's played out, if, if, if we win this game, and even if Chris Jones doesn't have a huge game in this particular game, if he plays well, if he makes one or two plays that helps us win this game, just like he has in all of our other runs, I'm going to get a jersey for Chris Jones. He, I will forever love that man, no matter what he does, because he's a good person, he's funny, he's always been great in interviews, and the only thing he's ever done anywhere close to negative has been contract negotiations. He's been incredibly one of the best players we've ever had. Next to Derek Thomas, he's probably my favorite defensive player we've ever had. Thanks for taking the call. Neil, I appreciate the phone call. I I think maybe the best way to describe it, and I I don't want to speak for you guys. You're more than welcome to call in, 913-586-7610. I think this is the difference between somebody being your friend and somebody being your boy. Those are different. Those are different. You have somebody in your life that you will consider yourself real cool with. You maybe hung out with them. You worked together. You've gone out and had drinks with them. You guys are cool. You wouldn't ask that person to be in your wedding, though. That's not your boy. Patrick Mahomes is your boy. Travis Kelsey is your boy. Jamal Charles was your boy. Derek Johnson. I just don't think the Chiefs kingdom looks at Chris Jones as their boy. I think their they're friends are cool. Hey, we like you. We appreciate you. You are a fun guy to hang out with. I am not asking you to be in my wedding, though. We are not that close. Hey, you can come over, watch the game. We can eat wings. I, hey, I, I appreciate you. You know that. I'm not asking you to be one of my groomsmen. And that's just, that's just how it feels. And as we are heading to the end, at least what I think is the end, I, I, I do not think he will be on the team next year. I think it's going to be a, hey, we are happy for you. Chris Jones is going to get a lot of money from some other team, in my opinion, that's not going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Like He's going to get a whole lot of money. And I think whenever we see that deal, I think most people are going to say, oh, I get it. I understand. I understand why you signed this incredible contract with the Minnesota Vikings. I think that only turns out to be a negative, Rob, if he stays in the division. Where if he goes to sign up for the Raiders and now he is trying to beat you or if he signs up with Jim Harbaugh on the Chargers or the Broncos, I think that changes it. Maybe it's different because the Chiefs are good. So if he signed with the Ravens or if he signed with Cincinnati, maybe it would be that same. But I I think there is only backlash in his decision if he signs directly in the division. I think that's the only way. People felt a way about Frank Clark. I'm like, how? The Chiefs didn't want him anymore. Like, the Chiefs did not want Frank Clark at the beginning of the season and were happy to let him go. So then you could sign with anybody. I'm not mad at Frank Clark. Let's go back to the phone lines. 913-586-7610. Let's go to Wyatt. He called into the drive. Hey, Wyatt, how you doing today, my man? Hey, how are you doing? Doing good. Hey, so I, I, have, I didn't get to see the Derek uh, Thomas era. I'm a little young for that. But I think Jones is already the second-best Chiefs defender behind him. I mean, he's already got two Super Bowls and – He's one of the reasons why we got there last year in that Bengals game. I mean, that sack on Burrow cemented him for me as the best Chiefs defender of my lifetime. Yeah, and that makes sense, Wyatt. I appreciate the phone call. I mean, I would say that he's the best defender of their lifetime, and I probably would say number two is peak Tyra Matthew, those two years that he was here. Mm, Barry? Barry was an all-pro. Barry was all-world in 2016. 
Barry was better one year than Tyre Matthew. That's come on. I don't know. Justin Houston also has to be in this conversation. You like Eric Barry a little more than I like Eric Barry. Just as a player. Eric Berry was a better safety than Tyron Matthew. He just didn't have any rings on his finger. Oh, yeah. Eric Berry had one incredible season in Kansas City. He was also good as a rookie. He had several oh, good years a, in Kansas a, City. He was, a, he was a very, very good player. Houston, Johnson, Berry, Jones in some capacity are the four. Yeah, you like Eric Berry like I like T. Higgins. Except for, <laughs> That's how it is. You like that one. The guy I like is going into the Chiefs ring of honor. The guy you like is just a number two wide out. Go, in the going into the Bengals ring of honor. That's how good he is. <laughs> not, the guy you love isn't even better than Chad Ochocinco. Stop it. Yeah, Ocho's a borderline Hall of Famer. Don't, don't disrespect. <laughs> don't disrespect Ocho. Steve, how you doing, my man? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Appreciate you calling in. Hey, first of all, you guys are trying. It seems like you're trying to change the perception of Chris Jones because this guy's First of all, you got to look at it like this. We wouldn't be in the Super Bowl this year, not even talking about last year. We wouldn't be there this year without Chris Jones. The defense carried us this season, not not Patrick Mahomes, and I love Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, but those guys struggled on offense. The defense is the ones that did it. And who is the, who is the chair for doing that? Who was the main man? Chris Jones. Chris Jones last year, when it came time to make a play in the playoffs, he did it so we could go to the Super Bowl and have that opportunity. I'm a love Chris Jones, and I'm an old guy. I'm 62 two years old. I've been a Chiefs fan since my, my parents bought me the Chiefs uniform when I was five years old for Christmas. So I've been a Chiefs fan for a long time. I knew Derek Wells, my fraternity brother, good friend. So I know all those guys. I love Derek. I love all those guys. But Chris Jones will be one of the guys that I'll always love, too. This guy put his heart into it. He's been a good guy, never been in trouble, you know, been an exemplary citizen and just a good guy. Hey, Steve, really quickly, I want to get your take on this. They only have one franchise tag available. Steve, uh, Sneed or Jones, which one are you giving it to? I'm taking, I'm taking Sneed. I'm not being stupid about it, but Chris Jones has done as well. You're talking about legacy. That was the question. No, I, I, I'm just curious. I was curious what, what you would do. Perceive Chris Jones. Chris Jones has been a real good guy. You know, you guys you know, try to put an asterisk by his name, and I don't know why. He saved us this season. He's made great plays in the playoffs. To get us to the Super Bowl, he's been—he's just been a great asset to the team, and I will always uh, uh, respect that. Well, I have one more question for you, Steve. Let's say it's five years from now. Are you still seeing people wear ninety-five jerseys around Arrowhead? Well, that's because of people like Hugh that kind of have a bias against him because of negotiations. I will wear one. Uh, I can't speak for everybody else, but I would because I know football. I know what he's done, and I don't let contract is a part of the business. And, you know, that anybody could be going through that, you know. And so so that's for any team. And other players have gone through it and come back and been just fine and, and, and still love. I don't hold that against him. Heck, yeah, I wear it. I don't care about other people. I know football. I've been there. I'm not getting my feelings involved. I just know what I see. I know he's carried us. We wouldn't be in the Super Bowl this year without him, period. Steve, good phone call, man. I appreciate the conversation I will be very curious, and we can ask you guys this, 913-586-76110. Five years from now, when you're walking around Arrowhead, are you still seeing people wear Chris Jones jerseys? Because to me, that's like the telltale sign. I understand the Royals are different because they won the World Series, but you still see Eric Hosmer jerseys around town. And Mike Moustak is like, that is a sign of your impact, your legacy in a city, that people are still wearing your, like they are foregoing all the new players that are on the team, and they are still wearing your jersey. There is going to be new players that come in. There's going to be current players. Like McDuffie moves up the list. Karloftis moves up the list. Nick Bolton. There's 
you know, football. Are you still going to see Chris Jones jerseys five, six years from now? If he doesn't resign, no. If he resigns, yeah. If he resigns, he goes down as second to Derek Thomas. He he gets the love affair forever. The way fans talk about Derek Johnson right now is how fans talk about him, but he had a more successful career than Derek Johnson. But let him be a Seattle Seahawk on March 21st. And I don't think you see 95 jerseys in five years. So on the text line, 913-586-7610, Kelsey could have taken the bag and left and took less money to stay. That is why Kelsey will be forever loved and Jones will not. Someone else says, I still see Matt Castle jerseys around town. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm really not. But if you can afford to go to a Chiefs game in 2024, you got to put the Matt Castle jersey away, man. You got to. I mean, I know how much it is to go to a Chiefs game. It ain't cheap, you know. Two tickets, parking. You got to go to Rally House, man. The Chiefs should have, you know, like one of those programs, like when a player messes up. They need to have one of those programs that you can, if you got an old quarterback jersey, you got to be able to turn that old quarterback jersey in for a Mahomes jersey. Like if you still got a Steve Bono that you rock and it's a little bit faded and you still wear it, you should be able to turn that in for a Mahomes jersey. There ain't no reason to be wearing Matt Castle jerseys to the stadium in 2024, man. Shameful work. Shameful work if you're still wearing the if you're still wearing the Matt Castle jersey to the game. We can keep taking your phone calls on this. 913-586-7610. I think we are heading into Chris Jones' last game as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm curious how people are gonna remember his time in Kansas City. Pete Sweeney will join us coming up at the top of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on this as well. Keep it right here, it's the drive. The drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app and listen to The Drive with Carrington wherever you are. You know what I've determined, Rob? And we'll get back to uh, we'll get back to talking about Chris Jones. I've just determined that all the people talking about Taylor Swift, and I'm, I mean, I'm probably part of it too. They are more annoying than she actually is. She just doesn't really say anything. She just kind of minds her business. And just every time I'm on social media, it's just, just complaining about it. It's just, it's it's just exhausting. I don't, I don't care this much. I don't know why we just don't leave her alone. I'm on her side. I'm on team Taylor. It makes no sense to me. She just a Chiefs fan who minds her business in the box and dates the Hall of Fame tight end. Like, why Why does that have to be some referendum on the sport or CBS is doing too much? Right? She just, she's a fan. Like, it's fine. It someone, is what it is. Someone on the text line asked, CDOT, are there any other players that you think are beloved from this era? No. I think it's just two. And that's fine. That's not saying that they haven't had other great players during this time. You guys love Mahomes and Kelsey differently than all the other players. And that's fine. Hold on, though. I think Creed Humphrey could rise to that level. I I mean, I know that sounds goofy. I feel like that was a two-year-ago thing. Yeah. You're telling me. You know, he could be. Let me me phrase it this way. Do Chiefs fans still have a love affair with Tim Grunhard? Because Creed Humphrey could be Tim Grunhard of this era. Yeah, but I feel, I mean, I, I know that you and we are significantly younger. I feel like the Tim Grunhard thing became really beloved because of how active he's been in the community since then. Where I just don't know what Creed Humphrey's going to do. I see him three hop too many balls every single week. From, from He's on the beloved list. Maybe when he first got here. Today? Now? 
It's okay to love those two differently than the other ones. That's fine. They are on a complete, and I get it. They are Montana and Rice. That's who they are. They're Brady and Gronk. I'm not saying that New England doesn't love Julian Edelman. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they love Danny Amendola. You do not love Danny Amendola the same way that you love Tom Brady. Not the same way that you love Rob Gronkowski. You don't. And it's fine. It's okay. Patrick Mahomes is maybe the greatest quarterback that ever lived. And over the last 12 months, we have seen Travis Kelsey go from football star to pop culture icon. They're asking him if he's going to be at the Grammys. On the Sunday before the Super Bowl, of course he's not going to be at the Grammys. Who thought he was going to be there? Who thought the whole team was going to be in Las Vegas getting ready for the Super Bowl? And Travis Kelsey is going to be in Los Angeles at a musical event. No, I've never thought that. That's where we are. It's okay, though. That's fine. I think there's tears of everything. You have a best friend. That's fine. You might love all your other friends. You love one of your friends more than the other friends. You guys went to high school together. You guys played basketball together. You guys bonded over something. You are closer to this person than the other people in your life. And that's okay. And that's kind of where I think Chris Jones is. I don't think it's hatred by any means. Of course not. I think it's, he's going to be a ring of honor guy. He's going to have his day. His name's going to be up there. He will go in the Hall of Fame as a chief. You just don't feel the same way you feel about other guys that have sort of crossed this threshold. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines, 913-586-7610. Let's try to take these three calls before Pete comes back. Hey, Franklin. Yeah, well, if you guys would finally get me right when I'm about to go into automatic car wash. But listen, Carrington, the Chiefs fans who don't love Chris Jones are acting like scorned girlfriends whose boyfriends ain't even broke up with him yet. This man is not only an all-time defender for the Chiefs, He's an all-time defensive tackle. We would not be where we were, where we are now, if it wasn't for Chris Jones. This guy is a beast. He made one mistake since he's been here with the Chiefs. He got bad advice from those Italian guys who got the bad hair. Listen, that's okay. But we cannot act like this man did not change this franchise because we would not be where we are without Chris Jones. Franklin, I appreciate the phone call, man. Thanks a lot for calling. I want to try to get Mario and Derek before it's too late. I don't really think that Chris Jones got that bad of advice, honestly. Maybe that puts me in the minority. I don't think he got that bad of advice. Now, I would have never told him to go to the game as a spectator, and I eventually would have told him to show up. But him holding out was not bad advice. It was the right thing to do when you are as important to a team as he is. I think him holding out was actually the right thing to do. He just held out probably two weeks longer than I would have told him to hold out. And I do think the image of Chris Jones is forever changed by Travis Kelsey is standing there on the sideline with an injury and willing to do whatever it took to possibly play in the game. And Chris Jones is in the stands. Let's go back to the phone lines. I want to try to get these two phone calls before Pete comes back. Mario, you called into the show. Hey, Mario. Hey, Carrington, man. It's always good to talk to you, bro. I Absolutely, enjoy listening man. to you every day. Hey, I got a one quick topic, then I want to address this. A few days ago, y'all was talking about Rob wasn't really a Chiefs fan. Some guy he's not. He's a hater. And said Rob should wear the dunce cap. 
you know, Rob is a Chiefs fan. Believe that. I know he is. But he has to be uh, uh, the opposite of you because you're a Chiefs fan, but he has to be the guy to wear the black hat and ride the black horse. So, Rob, I ain't coming down hard on you because everybody's fandom doesn't look the same, but that doesn't mean you're not a fan. So I'm baptizing you into the Chiefs kingdom. Once Don't again, do that, Mario. Don't, Mario, I got to put you on hold. I know. We're not doing that. Mario, I'm going to know. Not Rob doesn't get to say all the things that he has said about the Chiefs over the last two months, and now all is forgiven because they – no. I'm not allowing that to happen, Rob. I don't care it's your birthday. No, you don't get to do that. You have thrown so – Rob, when was the last time that you believed in the Chiefs? I know you're picking them going into this. I know that you are. When was the last time that you think on record you believed in the Chiefs because you didn't believe in them? At any point this postseason, you had a whole month. Hold on, I believe I believed Miami was going to lose. Okay, you picked them in the wild card round at yeah. home against a warm weather team in the Arctic temperatures. Okay. Pure belief. When, when was the last? When was the last time that you believed in them? Before that, yes. When did uh when when did they beat the Vikings? When did they beat the Vikings? That was in October. And they're like, well, they were five and one at that point. I was all in. <laughs> I was a believer. You're telling me you didn't believe all of November. You didn't believe any of December. I mean, you're talking about the t- well, I mean, December they lost the Raiders. I was definitely out. November they lost the Eagles. I was 100% out. October was around the time no, they started No, you don't get to do walk. this. No. October they lost in Denver. I was out then, too. So, yeah, I would say before the Miami game, the last time I was all in is when they were headed to Minnesota. Rob, they lost to Denver. They lost to the- to Denver on October 29th. No, you don't get to be out all November, all December, all of January, and then Mario can bring you back. No, that's not how this works. You only get one life. That's not a video game where you can just start over. No, I don't want you. The Chiefs fans don't want you. The Drive listeners don't want you. No one wants you. I've been respawned. San Francisco. I've been respawned like Halo right back into Chiefs Kingdom, baby. Here we go. Derek, we got – oh, hold on. Derek, we got like 90 seconds, man. Go ahead. All right. Hey, see that? I agree with what you said about Chris Jones and the holdout. I totally agree with everything that you said. He will be beloved because there will come a time when we're no longer winning Super Bowls, and he will remind us of something that makes us feel good. About him uh, holding out, I agree with you, and he shouldn't be demonized for it because the central point is this. He's an American athlete. Their contracts, by and large, are driven by what they've done not and with the hope of what they're going to do based off of what they've done. They should have paid him instead of demonizing him. The biggest trick that the NFL has ever played on the public is how their salaries work and that they don't have any flexibility. They know what's coming. They know what to do. Thanks, Cedar. I appreciate it. No problem, Derek, man. I appreciate the phone call, man. A lot of people are saying if we're kicking people out of Chiefs Kingdom, Charger Dot, how are you still in it? One time, two years ago, I picked the Chargers, and it 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 still haunts me. Still haunts me. I picked them two times in nine years. And this is what we're doing. This isn't right. This isn't right. No. You guys have been here every day. You've heard Rob. Rob wouldn't even give him a chance every day. 
I felt like one of Santa elves. I was in the workshop. I was just cooking up stats, trying to find a stat for Rob to believe. You heard him. He shot it down every time. They'll never catch the ball. They'll never stop turning it over. I sat here every day trying my best. No, you cannot let Rob back. No. Someone said, CDOT, you have a billboard with your name on it. You're a loser just like Rob. You know what? Nobody's getting pizzas anymore the rest of the month. We're canceling all our pizza promotions. No pizza Tasios, no other place, no tickets, no skates, no rights. You get nothing. Pete Sweeney up next. Pete Sweeney, do you want to do your Carrington intro? Go ahead, man. Another day, another dollar, another episode of The Drive. I'm Carrington Harrison. We got Rob Brenton behind the glass coming up. We'll go out to San Francisco an hour or two and find out what are those 49ers cooking up for these Chiefs in two Sundays. <laughs> but we start here. Has life ever given you an inspirational guest? That was pretty Someone. good. I got I to give you credit. You do the best Carrington impression. You do a better Carrington impression than Rob. Yeah, I try my best. I, you know, I, I, I heard from my new opening, and I don't even need it anymore. But I heard from my new opening that I'm a good impressionist, and that's just another one to add to the list. I gotta ask you uh, this question before we get to very serious things, mm. because we had a caller, Mario. He tried to forgive Rob for the last couple of months. I don't think you can be as down on the Chiefs as Rob. Mm. And now you can just sprinkle him with the Chiefs holy water and forgive everything that Rob has said. Yeah. And now he he can just pick him to win the Super Bowl and now be on board? <laughs> no. What, uh, what's been awesome is we have this group chat of like the 12 of us and the great Sean Barber just reminds us each and every every week, day everything I think he must have wrote down everything negative Rob said because he regurgitates it back in and it's tough it's tough to escape right now I'm surprised that Rob just didn't triple down and go with the Niners in this game I think that that would have been my heel move to go with I'm just psyched to me me Mahomes the family Taylor <laughs> Swift and Travis Kelsey on a float I'm like, you're welcome, Kansas City. Will we get, did it. Will you get the invite to the parade, Rob? That would be great. He shouldn't even be allowed to be in the city during the parade. <laughs> he, should have to, he should have to leave. He shouldn't be allowed to be in city limits. Who needs Mitch Holtis at the PA when you have Rob being like, you can doubt the Chiefs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Rob doubted the Chiefs. Whenever they say you can doubt the Chiefs, they're going to show a picture of Rob. That's who they're going to show yeah. at the parade. So I got friends who do the franchise, the in-house documentary, and they said it was tough to find some of the takes on 610 as far as like negativity, because I think we were all trying to be as positive as we could. I mean, I've, I've already said at three o'clock that I was very positive when everyone else was negative. However, uh, I think we were all were trying go. to find the, the good uh, areas of the team to lean into. And so I directed my friends there, just like, just look up whatever Rob Brenton was saying the entire time, because that's where you're going to find your, <laughs> the neg- most. your yeah, negative no, montage. He was the most. Can you imagine being the face of doubting Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> that's who Rob Brenton is. Like, Rob Brenton will do some great things in life. Like, he's going to be a great husband. He'll be a great father someday. Yeah. You know, one day, whenever Spectre's done, Rob is going to be my boss. He's mm-hmm. going to be the boss man. He is the face of doubting Patrick Mahomes. You, I mean, we've been to these 610 events with Rob's beautiful fiance. You should see the way 
that she looks at Rob. I mean, it is like how Taylor was looking at Travis the other day. And so, yeah, tra- outside the station where you don't need any takes, Rob's great. But in- inside, it's been a tough year. It's been, it's it's been, been a, a real tough, tough year. year. Yeah. You know what, man? Let's do the hits a little bit differently today. So I have hit number one for you after Rob shouts out the sponsor. While you're stuck in traffic on your drive home, The Drive gets you caught up on the biggest sports stories in Kansas City and around the country. It's The Hits, only on The Drive, number one. All right, shout out to Kellis Robinette. They put together some of his favorite novelty bets for the Super Bowl. Over under 86 and a half seconds for Reba McIntyre, her rendition of the national anthem. She's singing the national anthem, She is singing the national anthem. Oh, that's bad. Uh, Isn't Post Malone singing something? Isn't he singing like America the Beautiful or something? Is the rock? I don't think I made that up. I who's think in the rock Malone's, role no, this year? I, like, I think who's he the really host? is. The Post Malone's doing the yeah. Who's the host? You know how they have a host now? Is there a host? I assume it's Patrick uh, Mahomes. The, in- is the, the MC. Is that, the in-house DJ is DJ Tiesto. Does that count? Yeah, shout out to Tiesto. This is going to be a wild Super Bowl. You seem like a Tiesto yeah. guy, Pete. You were probably out there at Tiesto and... EDMing it up at 2 a.m. somewhere. He was, asking me, he was asking me to go see him when we were in Vegas. He's like, hey, you want to go see? No, I don't want to see Tiesto, let you, actually. Let no. me ask you guys this. No, Is thanks. Tiesto like the same genre that you would like consider a Calvin Harris? Uh, yeah, I would consider. Oh, oomps, I'm, oomps, a, I'm more of a Calvin Harris. Like yeah. I'm a Calvin Harris guy. Man, I'm okay, at yeah, you no, in the I'm summer. Uh, what, uh, what do you bet on the coin toss? Are you a heads or a tails guy? I know people say tails never fails. Tails never fails. I don't, I don't know. I just... I think in that moment, you got to pick with your heart. Because half the time, believe it or not, it is heads. There is a bet that you can make. A little coin toss analysis for you. (laughs) There is a bet that you can make (laughs) if a kick will make contact with the upright. So will there be a doink in the game? uh, The Moody is the the kicker for San Fran, right? That seems like a possibility with him. You're only only looking at one kicker. I don't don't think we're getting a doink from Butker. No, I'd be very surprised. You can bet on the first team who will throw the challenge flag. This is a fun one. Over under eight and a half songs performed by Usher at halftime. Over. Last year, Rihanna gave us 12. I think this is a clear over. Sometimes I'm watching, and I guess you'd have to go back and look at the film, but I'm watching these Super Bowl halftime shows, and it seems like the music is going like a tick faster. Like It's almost like maybe they're singing these songs at a 1.5 or... Because they, tr- they get a lot of... Do you listen to podcasts on 1.2 or 1.5? I can't do it. I wish I could. I know people that do it, and they get through podcasts faster naturally, but I, I can't. I need it. I need it regular what do you think the first song by usher will be are you a usher guy Mm -hmm. sweeney uh i am i am uh what about you remind me of a girl (laughs) that i once knew (laughs) what about that that's a great song how about that uh what color liquid do you think will be poured on the head coach purple blue lime orange red pink or water I think in talking to players over the years, they like blue the most. And I wonder if the training staff gives them more blue. So, I don't know. I guess if you want to really bet on that, I would go blue. What's your favorite Gatorade? I like classic Gatorade. Lemon lime. Uh, I really like the, uh, the the glacier cherry that's white. Sure. That one's just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I, I don't know. I always, I always like the original... Um, like lemon lime Gatorade that was featured in that commercial. And then they'd say... Uh, naturally, we called it Gatorade when, because it was for the uh, Florida Gators at the time. They had to get and be more hydrated. So. Someone on the text line says you can do that with podcasts. Yes, you can do it with podcasts. You can listen to it at a faster speed. Yeah, that's a thing. One of the texters loves Reba. I mean, I don't know. You don't love Reba McIntyre? I don't know. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a huge Reba 
person. Who, who do you think is more famous, Reba or Usher? We had this debate we, a couple of days ago. Usher. Obviously, we're locked into the Super Bowl. We argue about this is for like Re- eight minutes. Does no. Reba go on tour worldwide? Usher has had worldwide tours. Reba did have a television show. That's that's okay. I mean, that, that's okay. Who's who's like your older woman crush? Lots of because mine is Martha Stewart. Who's yours? Um, because Reba might be some for somebody listening. They I, might love a Reba. I think I I guess because I've gotten old now and she's gotten older. It would be Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts used to not be like one of the old, you know, but it would be that counts now though. No, Julia Roberts. That definitely counts. You know what I mean? How old do you think Julia Roberts is? Uh, fifty four. Fifty six. She was born in nineteen sixty seven. Not bad. Not a bad guess. Good for her. Looks great. The answer is Marissa Tomei, by the way. Mm. I can't argue that one. That's a strong one. <laughs> a 1927 Buick Skylock. <laughs> I can't argue uh, Marissa Tomei. Uh, not at all. All right. Uh, Pete Wait, Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. Jerry. Let's yeah, get to going on? very, very serious football things. You were at the AFC championship game. Mm. My biggest takeaway from the championship game was this. I saw one team that figured out their formula in beating the Miami Dolphins, and they have stayed there in their following two games. Lean on Isaiah Pacheco, get the ball to Rasheed Rice, get the ball to Travis Kelsey, play really good defense, minimize negative plays. Patrick Mahomes was sacked two times Mm -hmm. this postseason. He threw no interceptions. They won the turnover differential in their three postseason games. They have the best defense in the league. If you can do all of those things consistently, which they did for three straight weeks, it was going to give you a chance against any team in the National Football League. The formula for the fourth game is no different. Continue to rely on Isaiah Pacheco. Continue to have the best defense in the league. Minimize negative plays. That's how you win this game. Yeah, and I think some of the depth players deserve shout-outs, too. I mean, I know you guys have probably talked about Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but Leo Chanel and Drew Tranquil stepping in for Willie Gay in that role was huge in this one. Nick Allegretti, who came in and did a really nice job for Joe Tooney. And then Deion Bush, three defensive snaps, and he's able to pick the ball off. So you have the Stars, I think, doing all the right things in the sense of putting the Chiefs in the position they want to be in. You're right about the offense. I mean, we, we were saying the whole year it, it's it's Kelsey, Rice, and Pacheco, and you could win that way. And then you just rely on your defense. And if you don't make mistakes, right, like you're not putting your defense uh, on the field in a, in a short field and you are making them work from the 25 or beyond, you are in a really good position to win the game, especially because you figured it out on offense. And when you've needed these complementary players that I just mentioned, big plays in the playoffs. This is exactly what we see in all the runs – Uh, And this year so far has been no different for Casey. It is still crazy to me. Like I went back and I was looking at the play-by-play breakdown of the game yesterday. It is crazy to me that Baltimore called three runs in the second half of the game. Like I just don't know how if you were the offensive coordinator for the Ravens and you watch as much film as they tell me that they watch Mm. and you watch as much football and you're around your team that you can call up three run plays over the course of a 30-minute span and think that that is your formula to get back into a game. And if you can see the amazing skills that Lamar Jackson has, and you were trying to make him a pocket passer, it was just a very awkward game plan. Kansas City deserves all the credit. They went out there. They won the turnover differential. They had fewer penalties. They played a much cleaner game. Baltimore has to be kicking themselves of that game was winnable last Sunday. And I thought they did a lot of things on their own accord to lose the game. Yeah. And I, it was a big spot. And like we've seen now the chiefs play uh, teams 
where in the last game, the defensive coordinator did not do uh, a coordinator has not done a good job. And then they go on and get a head coaching position. The coordinator, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, Mike McDonald, is now the Seahawks head coach. So even after a a, a performance like that, you wonder that, about that. But yeah, on the offensive side, I, I just I was surprised at their plan, their plan of attack. It was not sound. It didn't make a ton uh, of sense, I think. Just because if you really look at it, you just dig into the numbers. If the, if you try, we're trying to pick a weakness of the Chiefs defense, it's been the run game all year, and you have one of the better, more interesting, creative run games in the NFL. I just didn't get it at all, and I think it's the reason uh, the Ravens weren't in that game. The, the Chiefs scored 17 points. They were shut out in the second half, and you couldn't find a way to score a touchdown. Uh, big plays by the Chiefs defense, too. I mean, it, if you really look at it, it should have been a tie game, but it was that it's the little things. It was that play by Snead. I mean, that to me was the key to the whole game. It, the Flowers was about to have that touchdown. Ball's on the ground. Chiefs get it. That was it. It's crazy to me how the Super Bowl is like so defining in a way. Like Cam Newton's Super, or Super Bowl year, that MVP year, he was phenomenal. You play poorly in the Super Bowl, no one really remembers how great you were over the course of the regular season. Like it is that thin of a margin. Mm-hmm. I actually think that that 2020 Chiefs team is the best Chiefs team that they've had during this run. They just were unhealthy in the Super Bowl and lost. And no one outside of Kansas City will really remember or talk about how great that team was because they lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, This defense, they are one game away. They're not going to be talked about like Seattle's defense or some of those kind of teams. Right. If their defense finishes top two, they held Lamar Jackson to 10 points in the AFC championship game, and they stop Christian McCaffrey or hold San Francisco to 13 points, they will be talked about as if they are one of the great defenses in the last 10 years of the National Football League, which they should be. Yeah. But you got to now put the cap on it in front of 100. Next Sunday's game is going to be the most watched football game ever. Like we, we can say that now. Based on the numbers, it was the most watched divisional round mm-hmm. game ever when the Chiefs played. It was the most watched AFC championship game. Yeah. They're going to show Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. It is going to be the most watched football game ever. If your defense plays well in that game, people will talk about your defense for forever. Yeah, quietly one of the, the better defenses of all time and will certainly solidify that by uh, you know winning in the, the Super Bowl. And And this was my point the entire year I just thought it was historically good uh, you know the the Chiefs kind of ran into having everything click at the right time young players older players uh, here for pretty much the entire season and uh, when you know you say top one top two defenses like that was my whole point of trying to remain positive all year was look we've seen defense first teams win in the past and my point was the Chiefs have not the offense we've seen in these recent seasons. It wasn't top five. It wasn't top three. Nothing like that. But it was 10. It wasn't as bad as some of these historic teams like the Broncos and the Steelers in 08, where their offenses were 24 and 18, respectively. Your offense was all right. And now it's gotten to a point in the playoffs where it's above average, good again. And in the first half, it looked like the offense we've been used to in recent seasons. So if you can put that type of effort together in a few Sundays in Vegas, you'll be champions again. Let me ask you this question. Let's say that Sunday's game that you were at was the Super Bowl. Who do you think would have won Super Bowl MVP? Because I think that player would have been Travis Kelsey. You're saying, say that one more time. So let's say the AFC championship game, that exact same game happens next week. And that was the Super Bowl. Got it. Got it. Who do you think would be named a Super Bowl MVP? Because Patrick Mahomes made the throw late. 
Patrick Mahomes did not have a great game last Sunday. I thought Travis Kelsey did. I thought that Snead made the play of the game, forcing the fumble on Zay Flowers. I bring that up because out of the last 10 Super Bowls, there have been four non-quarterbacks that have won the award. Out of the last 15, there have been five. Out of the last 20 Super Bowls, there have been seven non-quarterbacks. I don't think it's crazy to lay a little bit of money down on Travis Kelsey. This is Travis Kelsey's weekend. If you were Travis Kelsey's agent, and I understand that you want to be focused on football, but you have clearly been transitioning to what life is going to look like after football. You are going to be the star of the most watched television show ever. Mm-hmm. People want to know about your life, what you were doing, your relationship, your mom, your brother. This Super Bowl is about Travis Kelsey and him being an international star over the course of the last 12 months. I don't think it's crazy with the season that he's had that he caps it off with a nine-catch, 115-yard, one touchdown, and he wins Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I think if you were looking for which player meant the most for KC in this last game, it it's a tough conversation to have because I, I think you could put Snead in that category. Mahomes, if you really look at the numbers, 30 of 39, 241, and a touchdown. And so those numbers aren't good enough to be locking down the quarterback as the MVP. But you look at Kelsey's game, 11 targets, 11 catches, 116, and a touchdown. And it wasn't just the touchdown catch that was ridiculous with Hamilton all over him. It was also the third down catch and the fourth down catch. These were difficult balls to to catch. And three of the tougher catches he had he's had to make all season. And he was able to do it. And, yeah, you think about that touchdown and how impressive it was. Probably would have been Travis Kelsey. I think you make a good point. So if you get a similar scenario, a similar game next week where Mahomes is about 250 and maybe just one touchdown, you know, and, yeah, I, I could see that happening for sure. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy to lay a little bit of action on Travis Kelsey to win the Super uh, MVP. I wouldn't lay a whole lot. I mean, the the odds are. I mean, the odds are I guess Brock Purdy would win it because he's the their, their team is the favorite. But if you ask me, I would probably rank most likely players to win Super Bowl MVP. I would say it's Patrick Mahomes one, Brock Purdy two, Christian McCaffrey three, Travis Kelsey four. Yeah, I think there would be some people that would put Debo with the same tier as Kelsey. Yeah. Maybe they would have the same odds. But yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And then, um, you know, there are these few few happenstances where defensive players also win it the thing is if you are a defensive player you almost need multiple scores <laughs> like it's ridiculous what you have to do or you know chris jones would have to go off for somewhere in the four to five six sacks sack range something like that i mean it so i i think the players we just mentioned are, are pretty much the only players you should consider betting on unless something really weird happens it's been a while since I've asked you this, and I can't remember what your answer is. When did you realize that Patrick Mahomes was different? Like, when did you realize that the Chiefs just didn't have a good quarterback? Like, Buffalo has a great quarterback. Baltimore has a great quarterback. Cincinnati. The Chiefs have something that is drastically different. Like, they don't have, have a an human being playing quarterback. They have an alien. They have a superhero that was crafted to dominate the NFL as their quarterback. You follow this team every single day yeah. you are out there. When did you know? Uh, if I'm being honest with you, um, it was week two of 2018. So after covering Alex Smith, I covered from 14 on. So I covered Alex Smith 14, 15, 16, and 17. I mean, if you try to put your mind back in what the Chiefs were in, in that time, 
uh, the Colts and Steelers just had their number all the time. And I remember that we had the start of the season, and by this point it was Patrick Mahomes starting his third game. He had done the Broncos thing, and then he had started against the Chargers. Looked amazing against the Chargers, uh, 15 for 27, 256 yards and four touchdowns, something we had never seen. But now in week two, they had to go in the road against the Steelers, who perennially would like really kind of own the Chiefs at that time. And naturally, you know, you say, well, the Chiefs have had success against the division. That started with Alex Smith. I don't know about them going to Pittsburgh. What did Mahomes do? 23 of 28, 326, six touchdowns. And I said, this cat is a different type of player. And he only got better. I mean, I don't know. He's not just slinging it around, not knowing the playbook for six touchdowns anymore, but he puts the Chiefs in a better position to win. And so if I'm really being honest, it's, it's, it's that time I knew. If there was a moment, like a play, and I think a lot of people reference this one, and you know what I'm talking about if you're a longtime Chiefs fan, it was that Chris Conley 49ers That's pass mine. Where he, yeah, yeah, that's mine. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take Yeah, no, no, there. you're perfectly fine. I, I just, I remember it very, very vividly. And I remember I was watching the game with two of my close friends. And I remember I looked at them and I said, that's a little bit of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Like, there are just not many people that can, A, are athletic enough, can keep their balance, and then have the zip on the ball to make that throw in the back of the end zone. Is when I realized that the Chiefs just had something very, very different at quarterback. Now, I had no idea that this is what different meant, that they were going to, that they basically had Tom Brady on their team. Right. Not just Tom Brady, like they have a better version of Tom Brady on their team. Like for all the things that we said about Peyton Manning, and you remember how cerebrally was, how he mm-hmm. just played the game at a different level. The Chiefs have the updated version. You know how, like, with technology, how it exists, like, how it improves. Like, you and I probably thought, like, when we were playing PlayStation 1 or, or N64, it was the most lifelike, real thing you would ever see right. until you saw the PlayStation 2. And, so you saw, and then that's what Patrick Mahomes is. I thought I saw a quarterback perfected with Peyton Manning. And then I thought I saw it with Aaron Rodgers. And then I saw Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, wait, hold on. Well, this that, is different. That's my point when we start to hear all these quote-unquote reports, rumors, whatever, of, like, Andy Reid retiring. I mean, I... I think he's taken this as long as his body lets him because, uh, you know, you've seen quarterbacks with Andy and, and he always gets the most out of them. But he's had some great ones in, in Donovan McNabb and, and Michael Vick and Alex Smith. But to me, he's been waiting for Mahomes his in, entire life because to your point, it's like it's almost like a creative player. Like who who's like make who is really sharp at the line, who can make any kind of throw, who can you know, throw the deep ball and sling it but also uh, be smart enough to figure out coverages pre-snap and switch the route on the fly. If there is a a situation where uh, he has a running lane, running but not to the point where you're hurting your team or taking hit. I mean, he's just – he's the perfect quarterback, and I think one Andy Reid would have created if he was playing video games. And so he waited his whole career to work with this person that he could only dream of in his mind, and now he's suddenly, after this amount of time – going to give up being six years younger than bill belichick like what are we even talking about i i i think those reports and rumors and whatnot that the national media references are so lame because of what you're saying it's like mahomes is the dude and i think reed knows that if i set the over under on super bowls one for patrick mahomes at four and a half what would you take <laughs> can i can i get back to you after next sunday uh i think he gets this one so i'm gonna put him at three in my brain yeah me too and so yeah, I think he wins two in the next 10 years after that. Yeah, I, I, I just feel that way. So I would say over, which is wild uh, to admit. I know, which is, I mean, 
it, it was a time where, like, if you had said five, like, yo, you're just not being realistic. Yeah. Like, what are you doing yeah, here? Yeah. Like, five now is like a it, – it's almost it, – it, it's, we're almost at the point where four, to me, is like, hold on, wait. I think they're going to win on Sunday. They only get one more in the next 10 years. Like, we're kind of getting close to that point. Like, I, I think they are winning. I think they have the better coach, the better quarterback, the better defense. And if you were going to give me two weeks to prepare for that quarterback, I just feel really good about Kansas City winning this game. They obviously could lose. San Francisco yeah. was the second best team over the course of the regular season. They have more skill position players in Kansas City. They have a very, very good coach. Their defense is good. I think they're better than what, what? it was like. Uh, last week against the Lions. San Francisco is a very, very good team. I just think the Chiefs are winning this game. Yeah, I think, you know, just getting back to the Mahomes stuff, what's wild about this, too, is so they've been to now, it's going to be the fourth in five years. I mean, they could have gone to the Super Bowl six straight years in a row, right? If D. Ford wasn't offside, yeah. they win that game. And who knows? I mean, I, I think they beat that Rams team, so that's one right there. If the whole second half disaster doesn't happen, like Mahomes getting rocked on the sideline in the AFC championship and the Bengals storm back and, and win, like I, you know, who knows, you know, what happens in, in that Super Bowl, And it could be even crazier right now. I mean, I think the rest of the league is fortunate that he is only going to be at three potentially if he's able to, to win the game. And so I don't know, man, uh, it, it's been wild to watch and so abnormal. I mean, I talked to reporters around the NFL and, and they've covered a team for years and never been to one. And here we go getting ready to fly to Vegas for Now you're spoiled. Our third. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It really is. It's 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 something not to take for granted and it's just such a cool part, uh, you know, just to be a small part of everything that's happened in KC. We should we should think about that sometimes for sure. I want you to stay for the next segment because I want to get a better idea of what you eat during a Super Bowl party. <laughs> like what's on your right. plate? We're going to do a little bit of toss-up. I'm going to give you two foods, and you tell me which one you like more for the Super Bowl. We got Pete Sweeney in studio. Keep it right here, Sir Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Kansas City is Justin Reed. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Rob, really quickly, man, before we have a little toss-up with Pete Sweeney. Why do you think the text line has been so disrespectful to Usher over these last couple of days? Someone on the text line said, CDOT, does Usher even have eight and a half hits? I'd, hun- I'd hammer the under if it was at four and a half. Why are we doing Usher like this? Four and a half. We're doing the same guy that did You Got It Bad, the same guy that did Burn, the same guy that you remind me, the same guy that did Yeah. That's how we're going to do Usher. I would say this might be a Two Americas moment because I would say the average person in my America is like, OMG, DJ guys fall in love again, loving this club, yeah, and then they start to tap out. Rob, you keep saying this. I went to see Usher in Las Vegas. It was a lot of your America in the building. I think they're going for those four songs. <laughs> the same way I went and saw Mariah Carey. You know what my America was there for? Christmas. Mm. And then she did Emancipation of Mariah, and your America was I just, fired up. I guess I just didn't know that anybody under 40 feels this way about Usher. Like, I just... He was relevant when we were in elementary school. Nice and slow. My way. That's how we're going to do Usher? Does he make sense? Do you think the entire team that does Yeah is going to be on the stadium? That's what I think. I think that's the last song. Who is in it as well? Ludacris and uh, Little John. Little John. Yeah. Mm. 
Ludacris on stage would be great. I mean, that would be something that would get me excited. I just don't know how we're doing this to Usher when he was Bruno Mars before Bruno Mars. Pete, oh, if you wow. want a little bet for Vegas to take some money to the window, you know who I think the surprise guest will be? Justin Bieber. Hmm. Go put some money on that. Just, just a beauty and a beat. Put your mortgage on it. I don't know about my mortgage. But you know what? Put your car on it. <laughs> okay. But don't go to the casino. Find someone in the streets who will take that bet. All right. Sounds good. All right, Pete Sweeney. I want to. I wrote a couple of. Uh, wrote I wrote a couple of toss ups for you just to kind of see how you feeling. You know what I mean? Super Bowl food. Rob, hit me. Toss up. All right, Pete Sweeney. Guacamole or chips and salsa? Yeah, this is tough. I usually like to have both on hand. No, I'm, not for this one. You can only have one yeah. on your Super Bowl big game plate. For me, it's guacamole. And I will take like a spicy guac. I like I like guac a little spicy. I know not everyone enjoys that. Um, who, I, who in your life makes a really good... Who makes a really good like guacamole? Me? Like your mom's or I can do it. My cousin taught me how to do it, um, and I actually have the guacamole maker. Like you know that stone bowl and the the, the guacamole tool to smash them avocados. Got it at the house. Hit up Trader Joe's. Don't forget the garlic, little garlic, little lemon and lime. It's good. The text line said, of course you compared him to Bruno Mars because like Bruno Mars, Usher only has one recognizable song. I don't want to talk about Usher anymore. It's in the text line. Mm. They've been nuts. <laughs> Absolutely nuts on this topic. Uh, oh, here's one. Isn't Usher just someone in a wedding? Like, come on. <laughs> Who would say that? What the heck? Are you a bone-in or bone-out guy, Pete Sweeney? For chicken wings? Bone-in. Bone-in. Give me the regular chicken wing. I don't... You know, the only problem with bone in is it, it gets messy. So there are circumstances where, you know, if I don't want to be messy and I want wings, I'll get the boneless. Wing. But they're just never as good. So give me the bone in wing. What's your favorite wing flavor? So, like, let's say right mm. now I give you, like, a $100 to wing stop. Oh, my. Buffalo Wild Wings. And I'm like, hey, we're going to put you in charge of wings right. for the function. Mm-hmm. What are you What are you making sure that we have part of our food? The three that come to mind are classic buffalo, barbecue, and then garlic parm is, is very good. Rob doesn't like garlic parm like that. I love it. I'm yeah. a big garlic parm, big lemon pepper. Lemon pepper my wings, man. Lemon pepper is good. You're getting me hungry for wings right now. But, yeah, garlic, you got to get some garlic parm. People sleep on garlic parm, then they have it, and they're like, I'm, you know, I need some of this when I get a lot of wings. Are you a pigs in a blanket guy or a nice slider? Again, two things I like, but I, I think— got to pick one. That's why it's toss-up. You can't—of course you like both. That's Gosh. what makes this so difficult. Yeah, I, I hate when you do the one's got to go thing. I mean, it's just saying goodbye to something forever is tough. Uh, I'll go with the pig in the blanket. Mm. I think a slider to me is more for, I mean, you can eat a slider anytime. They're what kind a, of slider do you like? You like the pulled pork? I like just like mini cheeseburgers. The little, the little, the little baby burger. I know me and you, we got to, we got, I know we got to figure this out. I know you're going to Vegas. Me and you got to get to White Castle at some point while we're there. That's not part of yeah, my life. Me and you will do that for sure. No, not at all. But. I love you, Pete. I can't wait to hang out. We're already figuring out, hey, we're going to this, sure. we're going to this. Yeah. I promise you Me I will not you. be at a White yeah. Castle. Yeah, after a couple pops, we'll <laughs> head on over to White Castle. No, that's not where we're going. <laughs> Let's. I can, you know, if you want some great late-night eats in Vegas, yeah. I can certainly show you the great late-night eats. Okay. White Castle is not one of them. All right. Me. All right. 
We'll you get, like seafood? We'll get a crave. I'm a big late night oyster me bar and in we'll Vegas. Get a case. Um, big 24 hour late night oyster run for me. I love you it. Have oysters after going out in Vegas? I don't want to throw up. I love it. All right. Here's the thing. You you can't have pigs in a blanket like regularly during the week. That, it's a it's an event food. So I'll take pigs in a blanket on Super Bowl Sunday. Meatballs or the little weenies? <laughs> well, I just picked weenies. I'm not going to pick weenies twice in a row. Yeah, I'm gonna, I don't know which one you like though. Yeah, on the plate, are you getting the give little me the balls the... instead of the weenie? I I I feel like meatballs. There's a little Italian in me. I, I got Italian in me, so yeah, I'll take the balls. Can we agree to this? What's that? Outside of pizza and wings. Because yeah. those are obviously the one-two pick. Put both of them on my plate. I'm eating both. I'm having a little bit of wings. I'm having a little bit of pizza. Mm-hmm. The best thing on Super Bowl Sunday yeah. is buffalo chicken dip. Yeah. The best thing. I really, really like uh, French onion dip with just the classic ruffle chip. So that, do I. That was That's a staple why I up. have the daisy dip. Do you? I can give you some daisy dip. What is daisy dip? Is this your new thing? It's game-changing flavor. No MSG, no nothing. What's Daisy Dip? You, this is this is the thing that you and Rob have the Ernie and Bert promotion for. You guys go back and forth on it, like yeah, yeah. I have some. I can just give you some free right now. You can next time you're at the grocery store, I'll give dip. you a I coupon. I can't do it on a diet. I gotta get all the dip out of the house. Any kind of dip needs to go. We just went drinking together last week. What kind of diet is this? I gotta. It's one I follow on weekdays. You're drinking soda right now. Yeah, that was the weekend. Diet Coke. It's Diet Coke. Friday's a weekday. Just a heads up. Zero points on on Weight Watchers. (laughs) Zero points. (laughs) (sighs) Pete was telling us all about that great spread he had after the Ravens game, but can't have some Daisy Dip. It's been it's been tough. Yo, fried it, turkey leg and fried chicken with some collard greens. Ooh. That that checks out on the diet. I felt like a raven. <laughs> Somebody on the text line just texted in. Hey guys, KFC sauceless hot wings are the greatest. Bro, what is going on in your life? KFC <laughs> sauceless hot wings. What is going on? There in are your too life? many good restaurants. Yo, that she have gotta wings. come home. Because you have reached a point of down badness. If you you drive past all of those other restaurants, five, you six, went to two. KFC. You didn't even get their regular. You know the 562 is going to Boston Market sometimes, too. <laughs> you didn't get their regular 11 herbs and spices. You went for the sauceless hot wings. Ugh. That's a place of despair I'd never want to be. Yeah, I don't know. You just There are certain places that you just don't need to go to too often. <laughs> KFC is one of them. Calling it the goat makes it worse. It's one thing <laughs> if you're goat. like, hey, they're not bad. The goat. Are you a Popeyes guy? I've never yeah, asked you this I could before. do Popeyes. Yeah. The, like a popcorn chicken. Who has chicken? that kind of time on their hands? You got to wait at least four hours once you get in the restaurant. I do like Chick fil A better, though. I mean, I really do. I know that there was the whole Chick fil A versus uh, Popeyes. Both are good, but I just prefer Chick fil A. Somebody said McDonald's in Vegas at 5 a.m. hits different. Yo, what, what kind of, what be going on in your life to be doing this? I'm not going to Vegas to eat food that's back at the crib. No. And that's why we're going to White Castle, because you can't find a White Castle in Kansas City. Good. There's a reason why. We got that out of town. No. Same reason we got emos out of here. We got emos out of here. We got White Castle. Speaking we don't of want franchises, that. I live in that. I live in the, the plaza area. One of you people out there that are rich and can afford it, let's put a Dunkin' Donuts somewhere in the, <laughs> in the plaza. Can we get that done? Why yeah, do I'm I have not... to drive to Mission to get the, the Dunkin' Donuts? You know, you're Dunkin you're Donuts. not a Starbucks guy? No, I mean, I, I'll, it's not like I never have Starbucks, but I just prefer Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. Oh, you're an East Coast guy. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'll, you know, I'll do the promotion on 610 for free for your new Dunkin' Donuts. How about that? <laughs> Somebody said, no lie, that Chipotle be hitting in Vegas. I try to save all my money for the sports book. Yo, going to Chipotle in Vegas is crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. 
You going to Panda I mean, Express on the Strip? I don't. You just not not even five minutes ago. You said you wanted midnight oysters, like yeah. after the club, the twenty four hour oyster. I don't bar. know if you have a ground to be like this and this is weird. That's an interesting move. The the oyster in Vegas after the club. You haven't had it yet. You want to come? I mean, you I get will, the pan roast. I'm, have you had the have you I, had the Vegas I pan get roast? Oysters with you. I don't know if I want to do it at twelve fifteen or one a.m. You know what I mean? Maybe at one p.m. You're calling it early on Vegas at one a.m. That's that's what time you start making your move. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, what time you. I'm, this is my first trip to Vegas. When I arrive on Monday, I already got a light buzz at one a.m. in Vegas. Will, at that point, I will. I'm trying uh, to find some more late night shenanigans at that, that point. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a good trip. Can't wait. I just can't wait to ride everywhere with you in the taxi so I don't have to pay for it myself. I'm just I'm going to have to expense all of my money to SP Nation. <laughs> hey, yeah, sure. I'll get you in here. Hopefully Joel's I, not listening to this. I, I'm happy to get you into this club. <laughs> you got the Uber? Yeah, great. It's going to be phenomenal. Joel, it's going to be great. Joel, if you're riding in your car, I don't even know what he's talking about. Just, just know that. <laughs> Pete Sweetie of Arrowhead Pride. Pete, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if I will see you before next Friday. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'm probably going to see you when, once we get there. Yeah, um, but I'll be back on via via cell. I talked to Rob. I'll be back on via cell to share game predictions and things like that next Wednesday. So, Pete Sweeney, man, we did it again. Yeah, another year. We have made it through another long season. They wouldn't have done it without our coverage. From what I could tell, um, based upon uh, uh, some people who have contacted me today, I'm doing the next week the same six ten stuff. I think we get one more week together, win or loss. Um, so I look forward to that. Hopefully, and hopefully it's a, a win. Um, here in uh, I've already started planning for the parade. Are you going? I want to be in it. If I'm not in the parade, I will not be at the. Is parade. there a six ten bus? I want to be in the parade, walking the streets. I don't think that's going to be left. I want to be in the parade. No. And if I'm not in the parade, then I'm just going to watch it at home. Uh, well, uh, you know, I look forward to what spread you're going to have for the parade watch party at home. Are you coming? No. Mm-mm. We'll come. No. You said that like just too, just too matter of fact. Yeah. What if we there. had sauceless KFC wings? <laughs> sauceless KFC is crazy. Absolutely crazy. If you guys had guacamole, pigs in a blanket, and garlic parm wings, I am there. To America's. Definitely to America's. <laughs> and sweet potato pie. Uh, coming up on the other side, people want to move the Super Bowl to a Saturday, but I have a much better idea. I'll tell you what it is. Keep Rayers to drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. You're listening to The Drive. Now CDOT's got one extra point. All right, you know what? I am here to make everybody's life better. That's what I'm here to do. Rex Hudler, I just talked to him last week. He always tells me that it is about the people. That everything that we do in this business is about the people. I am here to offer up a solution that will make everybody happy. Dan Patrick, who is a legend in this game, made a suggestion that the Super Bowl should move to Saturday. Here's what he had to say. Something to... Think about when it comes to when the Super Bowl is played. If we have two weeks in between conference title games and the Super Bowl, how about we play the Super Bowl on the Saturday instead of the Sunday two weeks after the AFC-NFC title games? Who's with me? Everybody. Yes. Wouldn't it be great 
that you have all of this time, so both teams get plenty of rest. Saturday is the Super Bowl. Sunday you get to recover. Paulie? I think you will get unanimous support. Once you get over the stupid awkwardness of removing the phrase Super Bowl Sunday, which will bother me for about three minutes, the idea that you could be Saturday, put the game even a little bit later start. It doesn't have to be 6.15. It could be 7. Mm-hmm. People could have parties, stay out later, not worry about running home and being at work the next day. Mm-hmm. You would, I think you'd find almost unanimous support for that. All right. I don't support this idea for one reason, and maybe this is stupid. Football is a Sunday game. It's a Sunday game. Our love around the NFL is gathering around with our friends and our family on Sunday to watch football. I love the fact that the that the Super Bowl, that football is on Sunday. I love it. I love that they played earlier in the day and you're waking up and anticipating. I love it. I don't want to change anything about the current setup that we have. I love my favorite thing about the NFL is every Sunday at noon. And I got one game going. I got red zone going. I might got a little money out there. My people's is over. We're laughing. We're drinking. We're eating. We're making fun of each other. We're just guys hanging out watching football, man. I love it. Football is a Sunday game. I'm cool with the Super Bowl being on Sunday. Here's my solution. Why don't we just move President's Day? Just move it. I know not everybody gets President's Day off, but a lot of people do get President's Day off. Wouldn't that fix a lot of the problems? If you if you work in the federal government, you get President's Day off. It's a federal national holiday. You get that day off. A lot of other jobs, we get President's Day off at this job. Just move it. Is there any significance about when it is? Is it like Abe Lincoln's birthday or something? Bro, nobody cares about that. Just move it. No one celebrates President's Day. It's not like you go outside and you do something. Just move President's Day. Is anybody's wor- life or world any different if they put President's Day on February 12th instead of, what, the 19th that it currently is? Isn't that the solution to this, to just move President's Day and just have President's Day be the Monday after the Super Bowl every single year? So your solution is Congress gets involved? Just move it. Seems like it has a flaw. Just move it. When was the last time Congress agreed on anything? Congress almost killed daylight savings, but guess what? Still alive. Just move it. They ain't getting that moved. Move the Super Bowl to Saturday. Way easier. Way easier. Just move it. Why? They're not moving federal holidays. I don't want holidays. them to move the NFL schedule. Just move a day that nobody... I understand why Memorial Day means something to you. Or Christmas or Easter. I get it. No one feels any closeness to President's Day. Just move it. President's yeah. Day could be any day. They're it could not, be, it could be May moving. 9th. It could be June 11th. No one cares about President's Day. They're not or moving just a, rebrand it. They're not moving a federal holiday for the NFL. They just created a federal holiday three years ago. They They're just not created one. A hey, federal- Juneteenth, here, you can have it. <laughs> they just gave us one. <laughs> they just gave it to us. That's it. Just move it. That's simple. Everyone's happy. I hope you're happy. Come back tomorrow. It's the drive. Car, truck, or motorcycle. Okay. 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 